the podcast. You played it. We came. Now you must come with us. Hear our pleasures. Welcome to Late Night Lobotomies, everybody. I'm your host, Butterball, joined by my buddy, Chatters. Hey, how are you, Chatters? I am all right. Getting over a bit of a cold, but doing Mm -hmm. okay. How was uh, how was your weekend? You went back home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, went up the North Shore with some friends. We uh, went up to Gooseberry State Park, toured the parking lot. Couldn't find a place to get out. <laughs> and uh, there's a a stop that if you're familiar with the North Shore of Minnesota, Betty's Pies. I skipped rocks under a bridge as hard as I could so that they shattered on the other side. It's a great time. <laughs> the rocks shattered. Yeah. How? So like. The arches of a bridge, and I'm like on one side of it with the water going across the other. Yeah. And I'd whip it across the water as a skip. So I'd skip once, maybe twice, and it would hit that other stone wall under the bridge and just uh-huh. blow up. Okay. I, I got like an arm. That. You've seen my arm. Yeah, and I'm very, very jealous of it. I definitely threw it out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great. it was a really great weekend. Saw my family, brought some friends who, you know, had been up there, but they never got the local view of the Northland. And, right. Uh, yeah, it's just the. Uh, very chill, very relaxing, exactly what I needed this weekend. Good. That's great. I'm happy for you. I I had a pretty great weekend. I worked all weekend, but I've just been in like a really good mood these Hell last yeah. few days. It's it's spooky season, you know. I'm Honest. living with some of my best buds. Happy to be sober. Happy to be happy to be alive. Happy to be alive, Will. I'm liking this F. Yeah. It's a brand new me. Yeah. Maybe I was replaced when you were gone. I'm liking this though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I uh, my weird customer update yeah, uh, yeah. from work this week is is a little bit of a shorter one. A man, probably in his late 30s, is fully convinced that his messiah, Kanye West, has been replaced by presumably a Jewish shadow government. Um, his one piece of evidence for this is... Kanye with the picture of Kanye of him getting his dick sucked on the boat. Yeah. And he claims this is clearly a replacement of Kanye because you know why? Well, why? You know why? Because Kanye's he's too smart. He's too smart. The real Kanye is too smart to get caught getting head with his booty out. That's his reasoning. That makes sense. Yeah, like, I could, that follows. Yeah, this, that's one of the things that like scares me, and I've said it certainly to you before, if not, if not on the show. But like these people are out here still getting up in the morning, putting their pants on the right way around. Like it just baffles me. You can have such crazy notions about the world, but you know you still know how to cook yourself breakfast and get out the door in the morning. Which way to turn the key? You know what I'm saying. It's a good thing only the best and brightest among us are in charge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, one more personal thing before we start the episode. So, Will, do you know what the Bader-Meinhof effect is? Refresh me. And for our listeners. Yes. I definitely know, but the listeners... <laughs> sure, yeah. So, it's it's the like conundrum that happens when you start seeing or like hearing the same thing out in the world over and over again that kind of confirmation bias yeah yeah so like you know if you get a new car you know you say you get a red toyota now you're seeing red toyotas all over the place because you know to look for them and it's right the pattern repeats because yeah yeah yeah. right okay but sometimes it just happens by chance and uh this one for me i really i don't quite know what to think of it if anything but just in the past 24 hours, I have 
had four instances of like the frog and the scorpion story. Ooh. Yeah, I heard it in uh Sopranos last night on two separate podcast episodes today. And and then I came across the alt right meme with the scorpion having an afro, you know. Oh, um, yeah. If, oh. if anyone knows, doesn't know, it's that the frog gives the scorpion a ride across the water, but the scorpion can't help but still sting him, just because that's his nature. And blah, so, blah, blah. such, they both die for trying to help each other. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of spooky. I don't really know yeah. what that means. It has me worried. Well. I hope you hear it another time. Four is uh, four is not the number you want to land on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But that's enough personal BS for now. Well, these people are here to learn. They're not here to have fun. They're here to learn. And with the amount that you know about this topic, you could do a TED Talk. I'm fully convinced. There should be a different name for non-binary TED Talks. Don't you think? <laughs> TED Talk. Ved talk. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. This is my ved talk. Give Give us your ved talk. All right. So today we're gonna be talking about pinhead. Who? Pinhead. 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 Okay. You might want to think that we're talking about Hellraiser, but Hellraiser as a series as eleven films, no cohesion. <laughs> Nothing. Pinhead. Not a lot of cohesion. No. But pop culture icon. Arguably, my stance here. If I say Hellraiser, you think Pinhead. Yes. If I say Pinhead, you think Pinhead. Yes. He is the image. He is the point. Yep. But we're going to talk about these movies because if he is the point, these are all just pointless. <laughs> Doesn't make any damn sense. And I absolutely yeah. adore this series for it. Yeah. P Pinhead appears in approximately 5% of the, <laughs> the actual runtime. The Hellraiser franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I made, I made this comparison when we were watching, but if... If our life, if our lifetime was a Hellraiser movie, we would have met Pinhead as a baby, and then like we'll meet him sometime next week, something yeah. like that. And then who knows when after that? Maybe never. truly, who knows? Yeah, he is. Uh, he is enigmatic. He is frightening. He is cool. Mm -hmm. He is so many things, and sometimes too many things. He is a mess. Yeah, yeah. So can we? Uh, first describe just what Pinhead looks like, because yeah. people will have seen the image, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so Pinhead, you've probably seen him around. This is going to sound crazy, but he's a guy with pins in his head. Yeah. They're he's not got... nails. Don't you dare say that they're nails, even though they're hammered in. They're in their nail. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to call him Pinhead. So he's got like these kind of like square cuts all across his face, white, white skin, ghostly mm -hmm. white skin, dark mm -hmm. eyes. And then he's got this big leather getup with his nipples cut out. I don't mean yep. like cut out. I mean like strips of flesh removed. Right. And he also is... cut out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The nipples in the outfit are cut out, but the actual nipples are, are also cut out. cut out. Yeah. Yeah. It's all gone. <laughs> just the, just the just the blood and the gut remains around uh -huh. the leather. Uh, and he is a Cenobite, and he is an angel to some, demon to others. Yeah. And he is the primary antagonist of the Hellraiser franchise? He's, he's an antagonist in the Hellraiser franchise. He he's, definitely becomes he's, one. He's a bad guy in every movie. I, so let's get right into it. Let's start talking uh -huh. about Hellraiser 1 because yeah. I'm going to say he's not the bad guy of Hellraiser 1. 
No, absolutely not. In fact, yeah. I found myself really rooting for Pinhead in Hellraiser 1. He is a, a force of nature, a force of arguably justice, but yeah. maybe something further. He is, uh, he is, like we said, I think this is one is where he really is allowed to be enigmatic. Mm-hmm. One is where he is at his peak. Yes. Uh, Hellraiser 1 came out in, on uh, September 18th, 1987. Mm-hmm. It is a film about Larry and Julia. A recent, yes. I don't know if they're a recently married couple, but they they at least still have some spark in their marriage. Yeah, there's some freshness to yeah. it. Um, it's not Larry's first marriage, as he has a daughter named Kirsty who is an adult and she's around, um, yeah. not living with them. Although it sounds like he'd like her too. He'd, he'd yeah. like her back in the home. I think so. But she's appreciating her. Uh, she's appreciating her her freedoms. Mm-hmm. Seems like. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we want to talk primary antagonist, we got to talk Uncle Frank. Uncle yes. Frank is Larry's brother. Yes. He uh he is a a sexual sadist. Yes. He is bordering on sexual predator. Yeah, it, he absolutely would be. Yeah. He isn't presented directly as such in the film, but I don't have any question about which way Frank acts. Yeah, certainly. Frank's not. a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um so the beginning of the film is Frank receiving the puzzle box. The puzzle box. It is a box with uh it's like kind of a wooden dark box with a gold lattice across it all these different shapes mm. and looks like kind of a maze on the outside it's very it's very mysterious it's a very cool design mm-hmm. um there's a reason they keep it through all the movies yes. it's one of the best props yeah they can find. it's uh it's yeah the the macguffin through line through all of these yeah whether or not like it's it's a different kind of macguffin usually but it is yeah. always the one yes and so frank is given this he buys it from some guy talking about the ultimate pleasure right opens it up Chains shoot out from the darkness into his flesh as he sits shirtless in his attic. Yes. He is literally ripped to pieces by these chains. Yes. And that's where we're introduced to our main characters. He gets he gets too directly to the nipples, right? I don't know about directly, but okay. I mean they're they're in his cheeks, they're in his chest, yeah. they're in his arms, they're just chunks of him ripped yeah. apart. And we really love the um poking through the skin practical effects it's, in this. It's, they're quick cut. It's very mm-hmm. moist. It's very like it's more elastic than skin should be, yes. which makes it that much worse. And you can tell you can tell that there's nothing on the opposite side of the skin. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just like a sheet hung up that they poked through. But it, it, it they do that in a way that is still like Ugh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quick cut shots, these screams, these yells. Mm-hmm. It's it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Great body horror. The first film, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So Larry, his new wife Julia, they're moving into the house. Mm-hmm. It used to be, it sounds like it was in the family, and they find out that yes. Frank had kind of been hanging out there. They find some of his garbage. Yep. But he's, you know, no sign of him. Old mattress and I think some Playboys laying around. He's got he's got photos of himself with naked women in a suitcase. Sure. Yeah, yeah. As, as one does. And like a little, like, jerk-off boat of, mm-hmm. of people having sex, like some little stone carving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they move in, and uh, Julia, we find out through a series of flashbacks... Before the ma- marriage, Uncle Frank came to visit Julia. Mm-hmm. It was raining. Mm-hmm. I'm Uncle Frank. <laughs> I'm Brother that was Frank. Their, that was their first time meeting. Yeah, yeah. He just he showed up at their the house. Door. Larry is, Working who knows where, stuck somewhere. at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets steamy. It does get steamy. And there's a certain apprehension in Julia, because this is a brand new person who showed up, and also her fiancé's brother. Yeah. Uh, it seems like she's not gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. And she doesn't, right? 
Uh, no, she goes for it. <laughs> she does go for it. He all but strong arms her into it until she realizes she's very about it, in fact. Uh, yeah. She's she's addicted to Frank. Yes. She can't get enough Frank, and Larry doesn't know. Uh-huh. But she can't stop thinking about Frank. And this is something I, I found that they did that was really compelling in the movie. I think they really got it across well, like, just how obsessed they were with each other. Well, how obsessed... She well, was with she him. was with Frank, for yeah. sure. Frank definitely yeah. puts on more of a mask about it, but mm-hmm. he's not quite where she is. Yeah, because, you know, as as goofy and as poorly acted as these movies get, the way that Julia feels about Frank felt very authentic to me. And it's... Very it's, believable. It follows in the his sexual sadism of, this really is exceptional, and this mm-hmm. is what she needs now mm-hmm. she's very into it you can tell that between her and larry the marriage is not really going great there's yeah. something that's kind of off between them yep and uh larry's hoping that moving into this new house is gonna help mm-hmm. so he's moving in he's trying to move this big ass mattress catches his hand on a nail yep and he is bleeding all over yeah bleeding all over all over he goes up <laughs> go ahead <laughs> he goes up to the attic where julia is ogling pictures of frank with other naked women yep and he's he can't look at it. He's too scared of the blood. Uh-huh. But he bleeds all over the floor. Mm-hmm. They leave to go get him stitched up. And we get this incredibly well put together practical effects scene of Frank's body materializing as goo out of the floorboards. Yep. Just gooing up. He doesn't get his skin back. It's not mm-hmm. even all of him. He looks very, like, mummy almost. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's yucky. And the way that they did the scene was having the Frank model on the floor and you know having it in various states of decay and then film it melting. I, mm-hmm. um, Just chunks falling off right, of it. Chunks falling off and everything, so they play it in reverse, and it still looks goofy. You can tell it's, it's a melting being played in reverse, but it still looks really cool. It's... I want to give it just a little more credit than that. It's not immediately obvious. They put some work into that effect. It is not... Mm-hmm. It is not a body being born of the floor chunk by chunk. Yeah. But it's the best rendition of it I think I've ever seen. Fair enough. Yeah. So Frank's back. He doesn't have most of his flesh. Right. Most of his meat. About, he can't stand. About, I would say about 75%. Yeah. Yeah. You can recognize the human form. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a face. He can talk. Yep. He can drag himself with his arms across the floor. Yep. And uh, Julia goes back up to check on his stuff later and he reveals himself. Yes. Ah. It's me. It's me. It's Uncle Frank. It's Uncle Frank. Come it's, to Daddy. Come to Daddy. His that, his catchphrase. Yeah, he uh, he's gross, but Julia is addicted to Frank. Addicted. This whole movie is just about a man and a woman chasing the best orgasm that they've had in their life. He is and not. They it's don't not care. His. Well, he it started off with him chasing the best orgasm he had in his life. True, in terms of the box. Yes. But not Julia's. No. Julia's there for that Julia's magic, box and that magic, magic tongue. box, yeah. Yeah. You know, ride that man like a Harley. Yeah. Yeah. So Julia, not thrilled by this, mm-hmm. but Frank explains to her as best he can suppose. Blood is the answer. Blood got him through the floor. He's escaped right. this situation which he hasn't really told her about yet. He's telling her I need more blood. Right. Yeah. The, the solution in all horror movies, more blood. More blood. We need more blood. Or uh, Nighthouse. It's either more blood or Nighthouse. 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 We need to do an episode about Nighthouse. We need to rewatch Nighthouse. <laughs> we can cut this part I from the episode, we but do. like, we need, I need to see Nighthouse again just to yell. I don't think we do. We did find a connection 
uh, between Nighthouse and Hellraiser that Nighthouse was considered to be adapted into a Hellraiser movie. And we'll get on more about adapting into Hellraiser yes. movies soon. <laughs> yes, the um, the Hellraiser logo is is slapped on things pretty uh, pretty liberally, very liberally. <laughs> um, and oftentimes it's not even slapped on things as much as it's presented as, "Look, look, we're still holding it." Yep. <laughs> um, but again, we'll get there. Uh huh. We got it. We're gonna stick to the highlights first. Yes. We're front loading this with all the good yes. stuff. Yes, yes. Frank's back. He needs blood. He says, "Julia, go get me some blood." Uh huh. She gets dressed up. She goes to the hotel bar. She picks up the businessman. She brings him home. Sorry, real quick. Yeah. She first experiments with an animal, right? Does she get a bird or something? Or am I making this up? Am I conflating this with a different horror movie? I don't remember that. Okay. She jumps straight to people. Yeah, because I think I think Frank is pretty positive on, like, he needs a human b- being's body. Hey, that's what worked the last time. That's how he got this far. Yeah. So With just a very little bit of blood. By the way, I mean, he got quite it, far. It's a lot of blood. He's bleeding out of his hand. Larry is like gushing. Yeah, it's brutal. But he also gets an entire body out of a little bit of blood. Yes, especially compared to how we're going to get to this businessman. Yes. <laughs> businessman comes home. She seduced him. You know, she's bringing him upstairs to kill him. Mm-hmm. But he does get rapey. So, you know, he needs to die. Yes. We make sure he sucks. Yep. She brings him upstairs, beats him in the back of the head with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Frank sticks his hand into the guy and sucks his blood. Like a skeeter. Through the fingers, we believe. Is that is that where we land? Did we land it's... on it's the fingers that they suck through? Yeah, they get their mouth around sometimes, too. Yeah. There's, well, Frank does, but, like, mostly it seems to be his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he just sucks it out, and he regenerates more flesh, but we're nowhere right. near skin yet. We're yeah. getting most of a musculature back. I think he can stand after the first one again. I think so, too. And so, this goes forward. Larry doesn't know about this. Right. These bodies are, like, piling up in the other room, like, dried husks. Like, yeah. if you've ever kept bugs or, like, something that, like, eats or sucks mealworms, uh-huh. it's, like, just, like, the shells those leave behind. Just crusty guy bodies <laughs> just still wearing their yeah. suits with their pants around their ankles in the yeah. other room. So you have, yeah, various people in states of, of decay and Frank in a state of... of Re-kay? Re-kay, yeah. I guess. Um, all in this one room. Just happening under everybody's nose. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Kirsty heads over to her dad's house one day mm-hmm. and happens to catch Julia bringing a gentleman home. Uh-huh. That's right. Worried about that. Yeah. That's her stepmom. Yes. Yeah. So she follows him in there and stumbles into the plot. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've skipped a few scenes here, but we're just getting the important parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to... Trust me, we're going to skip a lot we're gonna more We're going to skip a, yeah. a lot more movies. Yeah. <laughs> And you're going to appreciate it. Yes, you will. You will yeah. be thanking us by the end. <laughs> but, yeah, she, she catches in on this. She is exposed to skinless Uncle Frank, yep. who is being sexually advantageous towards her. Yeah, which we we don't know if that was a thing that existed before he went to hell and back, or if yeah. that's his new edgy side. Regardless, he's, he's um, very inappropriate towards his niece yeah and it's one of those things of like frank has been sexually inappropriate he's so manipulative and so weird it's like Mm -hmm. wherever he's at in that it's also presented as she is backing away from uh basically like slim good body but he's got like the mask on too and he's just (laughs) all meat (laughs) so it's it's horrific and he's wearing clothes at this point too right he's He's he has a shirt and a tie on, 
He doesn't have or, a tie, I don't think. We, okay, he has like, a he's got like a shirt he's bleeding through, I think, that he yeah, took off some guy. Yeah, to him. Yeah, Which yeah. seems like it would be incredibly painful. Oh, I mean, the, you got no skin anyways, but putting a shirt on on top of that. There's a scene where he smokes a cigarette yeah. that makes me <laughs> yeah. hurt every time. It's one of the most painful scenes in this movie about chains and hooks. Yeah. <laughs> he's watching the man with no skin. <gasps> <sighs> oh, God. Gross. Yeah. I get cigarette smoke in my eye and I want to die. <laughs> but... So she runs away. She's trying to tell her dad about this. Dad came home, and unbeknownst to her, even though Julia tried to say, don't do it, Frank, Frank kills him, puts yep. on his skin, yeah. kills his brother Larry. This happens off screen. Yeah. You see him kill him. Yeah. Uh, but the skin swap happens off screen. You can tell pretty well immediately by the way the blood seems to be coming from his hairline. Yeah. If you And around his ears. If you guys have ever seen... The Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob swaps faces with his cellmate in prison. It about looks like that. He might yeah. as well have stitches going around his, his hairline. <laughs> yeah, but it's presented that Kirstie's back home. She's terrified. It's dark. She uh -huh. can't see him as well as the audience is able to or whatever. Uh -huh. He's he's talking really weird. He obviously he has Larry's voice, the actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I we got to roll it back for a minute here. At some point. When Kirstie is confronted by him and escapes the house, mm -hmm. she finds and grabs the box because that's right. been with his stuff the whole time. Right. When she does this, she takes it. And before she returns, this is during the time when her father, Larry, is being killed. Mm -hmm. She opens it mm -hmm. and summons for the first time that we've seen them in the film, mm -hmm. the Cenobites. Yes. See, that's that's how insignificant the... Uh, or just like sparsely used the Cenobites can be at some points. Yeah. We're talking about the first movie... And we just remembered to mention the that they Cenobites. showed up earlier before we get to the dramatic conclusion. Yeah. But this is also to my point of like, no matter how good or bad these movies get, mm -hmm. the thing that everyone always pulls back is the pinhead. Yes. That's the only thing that matters in this because he's the coolest. He's the coolest. So they show up to Kirsty and they're like, well, a thing of note in the first one, Clive Barker, the creator of all this, originally based on a novel, mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to give them all lines. He yes. wanted them all to have little bits of character. Yeah, so it was important to him, right? The Cenobites are uh, are Pinhead's group. Yeah, so there's there's other. Well, I mean, like arguably, they weren't supposed to be his group. It was just supposed He's to be just, a group, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and so they, they yeah, they accompany Pinhead and. It looks somewhat similar. They all have their own version of some torture going on with their face or some, with their some body. Some permanent torture that they're yeah. enduring that's visible to you. Right. And so the main the main four, we obviously we have uh, Pinhead, we have Butterball, who's the big guy with, uh, he kind of looks like Grimace, and he has like really tiny circle frame sunglasses his, on. His torture is arguably the most unascertainable. Yeah. But I think it's being swollen. I think so. He has a couple of like chin rolls. And his head is just a really odd shape. Yeah. Kind of peanutty like guy. King Cobra. He always has he, <laughs> he always has a little bit of a smile on his face too. Yeah. Which I love. So we got him and then We got Chatters. Uh, we got Chatters, our boy Chatters. His skin pulled over his eyes. All you can see is this mouth with no lips and the teeth never yep. stop clacking. Big old teeth in there. Technically called Chatterer, but he's Chatters. chatters. He's Chatters. Our boy Chatters. And then we have uh, Deep Throat, which is a uh, female throat. Cenobite with her throat ripped open and uh, sliced open and pinned back in a way that looks very much like a vagina yeah pinned back in like the way that like you you pin back a frog in a high school yeah. biology class but yep. it's very artfully crafted yep um 
So yeah, so, that's that's his ragtag group that shows up. And the reason it's his group is that yeah. in talking about Chatters and talking about Butterball and that permanent smile Butterball always kind of has, they came up with these monster designs. They said, this is what we're going to make. They made the makeup. They made the prosthetics. They got them all going. And they said, okay, these two can't really talk. <laughs> it just doesn't w- quite work. So I just, I just wish that they would have had Chatters be able to be like, and I'm Chatters. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish they had been able to have that. That would have been... My name's Chatters. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Um, but instead they give almost all the lines to Pinhead. Right. Deep Throat's allowed to keep some. She's great lover. Yeah. But yeah, that's the crew. They show up and they say, hey, you opened the box. We're taking you straight to hell for eternal por- torture and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Pl- plorture. Plorture. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get field so bad that you start to love it that's what happened to us that's why we do this we show up when you open the box and it's the box frank open and she says wait a second i don't i don't i don't want to torture right i I just am not about that Mm -hmm. and uh i think my uncle frank escaped you (laughs) and they're like eh, nobody nobody escapes us (laughs) and she's like no he did and they're like well Mm -hmm. okay no torture for you yeah but you gotta prove it if you can make him say he escaped fine we'll talk about it yeah so, which shows how seriously they they take their job of of keeping people in hell yeah you know you're there forever that's the one. deal yeah that's and the eternal pleasure torture and this is where our like our hopes our motivations and the cenobites motivations start to align yeah a little bit they don't like that frank escaped from hell we don't like that frank escaped from hell Frank's now, the antagonist? Yeah. They're not allies, but they're hey, here now. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. There we go. So, Kirsty goes home. She's got to warn her dad. She's got to tell him about Julia. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Her dad is no longer her dad. It's her uncle wearing her dad's skin. Yes. And she makes... I don't remember quite how she gets him to say it, but Frank admits, yes, I've escaped. Mm-hmm. And the... The, the blinds go up and uh-huh. the blue light shafts come through and the chains come down and the pillars start spinning and the yep. centibites show up again and they say, Frank, Frank. And they, they stick him. Yep. They chain him again. They chain him again. He gets all chained up and he says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And then they rip him to shreds <laughs> again. It looks like he blows up from the inside out. Yeah. I love Jesus wept too this is in most languages the shortest verse in the bible i i know too much about this one from my christian upbringing it's i think it's john like 35 11 something like that but it actually meant a lot to me growing up you know as as adverse as i am to religion at this point like jesus wept and you know i had a lot of all of my male role models growing up were very emotional which i loved and you know weren't afraid to show their emotions yeah and so, you know, knowing that, like, part of being Christ-like for them was, you know, hey, Jesus cried, so I can cry when it's appropriate to, I mean, it's always appropriate to cry, but, yeah. you know, when when you feel like you need to cry, you know, they didn't feel like they needed to hold that in or anything. But how do you feel when Uncle Frank says it? When Uncle Frank says it, um, it makes me sad because then it just morphs those, it crosses those wires, and now I think of my childhood male role models exploding get, from getting the pulled apart <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna say don't do that yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah frank is they've got him and then they turn to kirsty and they're like hey we didn't really say that like we were gonna let you off we mm-hmm. just thanks for the help it's your turn yeah and uh she's scared to hell 
Uh, she runs downstairs. In kind of like an off shot, you see that Julia's face has been ripped open by chains, and she's right. just like in bed. And I think she's holding the box, and like Kirsty snags it from her or something. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to her happened off screen. Yeah, she's it's... all sorts of fucked up. She's she gone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be fair, Frank Frank drains her on the stairs. That's right. He betrays her, in, yeah. like in this kind of final confrontation, and like he's trying to catch Kirsty, and he uses her for more energy by draining her blood, and right. she oh Frank yeah and dies. But then something happens that she sends up in that bed, because that's not what he did. Yeah. He didn't do that to nobody. They did that to her. Yeah, there was some off-screen Cenobite, some... Some nonsense. Yeah, hot dog head. Yeah, hot dog guy. <laughs> did it off-screen. You know how he goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Kirsty opens the box. It starts shooting lasers out and some mm -hmm. very cheap effects. Really dope-looking lasers. Clive Barker said they were out of money, so that's what they could do, basically. Like, that's, uh -huh. that's the word on it. It's what they had. And, uh, yeah, they're blasted back to hell, and Kirsty escapes, and roll credits. Yeah. It is a very tight little movie. There are almost no other characters. Mm -hmm. They exist, and not even every one of them has a line, but you never get a crowd shot in this film. It is very tight, low to the ground, yeah. simple horror in a house. It's claustrophobic for a not-meant-to-be-claustrophobic horror yeah, <laughs> movie. Yeah, I, I think it works perfectly for what it is. Yeah. Uh... It was a pretty smash hit. It was made on a pretty low budget of $1.2 million. Got mm. a $14 million profit. That's great. Really not profit, but return. Right. I'm going to try to bring up my numbers for these films. I got them all from IMDb. Yeah. I doubt most of them. Yes. But we're going to do our best. And and it gets tricky as things start to become Weird. straight to DVD. Yes. And then... Um, and then straight to Hulu for the for the most recent one. Yeah, there's a it's hard to talk about the profit area and margin on that one because the information that is provided or that I was able to find is sus and yeah. confusing. And it, it, yeah, incredibly low. <laughs> yeah, but we got ten more films before we're talking about Hulu. Yes. We'll get there. These are movies that at some point were no longer made because people who make movies wanted to make movies about these things. Mm -hmm. They start just getting produced industrially almost. Yep. Um, Pump and dump. Yeah. But yeah, it, Hellraiser 1 is genuinely a beautiful film. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's it's one that I feel like I would have no problem revisiting every Halloween. Absolutely. It's one I like sharing with people. I, it's one that you always want to walk into a certain level of like, all right, this is going to be some pretty graphic body horror. Yeah. There is, I would say, some sexual concern. I think for some people it might be too much, but there isn't any real sexual assault on screen. Right. Nor is it like even terrifically implied, typically. There's... It's so... a lot of tension, but the sexual nature of it is connected without ever being forced. Mm-hmm. I would say there's a little bit of sexual threatening yeah. between Frank and and uh, Christy. Yeah. Kirsty? Kirsty. Kirsty, yeah. Kirstie. Yeah, that scene where he makes an advance on her is definitely a lot, but it's a moment. It's one moment, and if it's too much for you, that's understandable, and that's fine. Uh -huh. But otherwise, it it's a crazy movie that's not too insane. Mm -hmm. They don't all stay like that. They do not. No. But after the success of one, we gotta have a sequel, baby. Got to. Hellraiser 2. Hellbound. Hellbound. Comes out December 23rd, 1988. Perfect, Perfect Christmas film. Perfect Christmas movie. My, um... You love the first one? Get the kids in the car. Get the We're kids. getting the second one for Christmas. I hope you like sloughing, kids. Because there's <laughs> gonna be a lot of it. My, uh, aunt and uncle and cousins were the 
the go see a movie every Christmas family. Yeah. They would go do that before coming to our house. And I really hope that they would have <laughs> seen this. <laughs> I whoever went to see Hellraiser 2 Hellbound around Christmas message us tell me yeah. about the decisions that were like well, where was your life at that that was the choice we, you were so right for that we want to heck? have you on the podcast come yeah you you know a lot more about Hellraiser that I need to know about yeah. too because I was never there for this you know should we should we watch Hellraiser Hellbound on December 23rd this year give us a break from why not yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just imagine it yeah <laughs> yeah as you may have guessed based on our propensity to both be ready to watch it again yeah sure. Hell, hellraiser 2 hellbound good movie i'm gonna mm-hmm. give this one another thumbs up they got yeah. it so hellraiser 2 picks up seemingly minutes after hellraiser 1 yeah sometimes so, feels like minutes sometimes feels like far longer weeks i it's it's convoluted yeah it, it's a little weird mm-hmm. it's a weird movie but these are all gonna be weird movies we're mm-hmm. we're just gonna keep saying that yeah uh so kirsty is in a hospital. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And they are taking care of her for her recovery after this, what they believe is to be a psychotic episode where she keeps talking about her Uncle Frank and stealing her right. dad's skin. Right. And uh, it's run by Dr. Chenard. Dr. Chenard. Dr. Chenard. was born to play an Imperial officer in Star Wars. That man, yeah. that man needs to be walking around with his hands behind his back. For 90% of his life. Yeah, threatening some low-level peon, but still scared of whoever's big bad. Yes, Yeah, he's absolutely. the perfect middle manager. But yeah, he is the, the head of this hospital. Mm-hmm. And he's just great at his job. Oh, he. this is who you... If you were having an episode, this is who you want to see. Yeah. At one point, he takes an elevator down to the maintenance floor, which mm-hmm. is just a bunch of rusty pipes or whatever the hell's yep. going on down there. And uh, he goes from room to room. Little tiny padded cells. I don't even think they're padded, are they? I think they are, okay. but like very lightly. It's, yeah. It's rough. It's probably just like comforters stapled, yeah, yeah. stapled to the wall. And he just slides open a door, looks at a person who's having the absolute worst time of their life, yeah. and then closes the door. They're all having <laughs> their own unique mental breakdown. It's it's like Arkham Asylum. Like you're watching, yeah. oh, Joker's laughing, Killer Croc is smashing Crocking the out. toilet, you know? <laughs> But like, it's you know, just... it's, you know, it's fucked up. Joe Arpaio, Sheriff Joe Arpaio is still worse than this guy. The guy in, in uh, Texas that ran the private prison and was all fucked up. He will do We'll, we'll cover him on an episode, but look up uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, folks out there and just know Dr. Chenard is really bad, but he's not quite as bad as this. Anyways, it, <laughs> it is basically a, a series of vignettes of person who is crazy Mm -hmm. and him just looking at them and that's the scene yep but then we're introduced to our basically only other new character of the film which is tiffany tiff tiff tiff's a blonde girl who is at this hospital she's mute she's um, later teens yeah and she's mute yep she seems to be mute due to an event in her past and uh she loves puzzles that's why dr chenard loves hers because she loves puzzles Mm -hmm. specifically a cube. All kinds of puzzles. A cube, pu- but... But she, he does have her working on cube puzzles. Yep, yeah. got the cube puzzle. Yeah, she's a she's a strange, strange I have character. a lot of feelings about her. We're going to get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tiffany's in the hospital. She wakes up, and it's immediately weird. They don't... It's just a weird environment. But there's kind of one nurse who, like, she seems to have a crush on. He's all right. I yeah. don't know. But she has this dream of a, 
a skinless man on the floor in the corner of the room writing mm-hmm. in his own blood, I'm in hell. Help me. I'm in hell. Help me. And he's clearly like, whole blood trail across the floor. He's had to crawl himself over there yep. to write it out to try to get her this message. And she wakes up and she's convinced it's her father. Mm-hmm. She's got to help him. And has to be. Has to be. Couldn't be anybody else. There's never any, been anybody else in her life who showed up skinless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she is telling her story and Dr. Trenard comes in and starts listening to her. Mm-hmm. And he's he's kind of really into it. He's intrigued. Yeah. It seems like he's not wanting to give in to her, mm-hmm. but like he knows what she's talking about. It's almost like he uh, has a pet project. Huh. So... There's all this stuff that he asks be collected from the house where all of the, the first movie took place. And he has, in particular, an extremely bloody and covered in chains and hooks mattress mm-hmm. sent to his personal estate. Yeah. That's how chain of command works. Yeah. <laughs> in some sense. Yeah. When, uh, when an extremely violent crime happens in which most of the people involved are like chunks or can't actually be found or recovered ever, mm-hmm. the survivors goes to a mental institution and the guy there says i want i want the evidence to come to my house yeah <laughs> and it does this guy's getting real bored you know yeah well it turns out the cenobite thing this box thing mm-hmm. he's been studying it for a while he's yeah. got a whole room of his house dedicated to it basically yep there's a, a quite odd for um a group of people that you do not survive meeting yeah but he's got cenobites. all the research yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, this doc, or this nurse who has kind of a crush on Kirsty, uh-huh. she says, "Please go investigate this. We gotta check this out." And he's he's in. He's like, "What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. Well, Doctor Trenard has taken home one of the patients, the patient who believes he is covered in bugs. Yep, that's his thing. He's been scratching Bug himself, man. but he's got mittens on his hands, so he can't hurt himself any yep. worse than he has, and he's just covered in bugs. Yep. So Trenard brings him home, puts him on that bloody mattress, and hands him a knife, and basically says. You got this, bud. Go at it. And this guy goes at it. He is slashing, mm-hmm. swiping, cutting the fuck out of himself, to yeah. put it lightly. And it is brutal. Yeah. And then, big pair of bloody arms come out of the mattress and start pulling <laughs> themselves out <laughs> on him. Dr. Chenard's definitely violating some uh, some HIPAA things here. He's violating a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. HIPAA be damned. Where's OSHA? <laughs> and, uh, <Schema. laughs> yeah. Yeah, NATO. <laughs> um, the UN. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the League of Nations. The FAA. All right. 4-H. <laughs> FEMA. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> the IRS. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the nurse is like still hiding in the corner of the room behind a curtain. Uh-huh. And uh, the guy who is cutting the bugs off himself that are not really there. Uh-huh. He sees them, but they're not. He's like trying to crawl away from this bloody monster that's trying right. to catch him. It's it's like those, uh, you know, videos. Well, I mean, I suppose it does happen in person. I've never seen it in person. But, you know, when people get two sexy ladies to mud wrestle or something like that, like, it, they're both... This is the most horrific mud wrestling. I've never seen it before, but you're so right. It's a good comparison. It that, is. Like, they're both just all, like, slippery and lubed up with blood that neither person can stand up. You know, Julia's they, got not enough muscles, really. Right. Like, it looks yeah. like when you put, you know, a newborn puppy on a hardwood floor with its legs sticking out and it can't get enough traction. Yeah. Just yeah. like that. It is. Exactly like that. Yeah. Just like a puppy. Just and like so a puppy. <laughs> she catches this guy, shoves her hand into the back of his neck, yes. sucks all the blood out of him. Yes. The nurse escapes through the window while she and Dr. Trenard talk. And I say she 
because we find out this is Julia. Yes. Julia has come out of the mattress. She was sent to the Hellraiser Hell World, or, well, that's a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> She's sent to the Hellraiser Hell Land. Mm -hmm. And uh, after experiencing their pleasures, yeah. she's now back. She's back. And she's Dr. Chenard, really excited about He's this. He's into He's it. He's been waiting He's... for this for years. He is so happy this woman came out of that mattress. Yeah. He's been waiting for this. I would be too. You know what? And he. I'd be thrilled if a woman popped out of my mattress. And she. Yeah. I, I prefer a woman with skin. Yeah. I prefer my girlfriend. Thankfully, you know, she only needs um, apparently less people than Frank did to get her skin back. Well, we'll, we'll get so, to that. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Trenard is like ready basically just to give her what she wants. Mm -hmm. He's got a dress picked out. He grabs her entire body and bandages. She looks dope. She looks like the invisible man. But with blood where the invisibility should be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... He starts bringing people home. He's got like an entire room of his mansion that just has like sex chains so he can bring yep. a prostitute and string her up and then Julia can eat her. Yep. And I think like there's like a mailman in there or something. Like there's a whole bunch of bodies. <laughs> you get at all kind of people, the janitor. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the nurse and Kirsty have escaped the hospital. Mm -hmm. And after this nurse saw this, he came back to her and he's like, You're right about everything. You're mm -hmm. so right. I never knew to believe you i thought you were having an episode but mm -hmm. you're so right we got to do something about this and she's like take me there yeah and so they go there and they break back in and she's investigating the box and she's looking at all the notes mm -hmm. and she's finding this picture of an extremely dorky looking white man in a military uniform yes. and she's looking at it for a while it's white obama <laughs> it's doug bradley the guy yes. who plays pinhead <laughs> whoever thinks looks like white obama look him up look, him up, I look guess. up look up young doug bradley and tell me that doesn't look like a white version of obama they got like the way that their ears sit on their head very similar after that i don't know if i see it it's more than just the ears okay it's more than just the ears listeners let us know mm -hmm. so she's looking at that meanwhile the nurse is going upstairs and he walks into the desiccated corpse room yep we all got one. <laughs> Just looking around nervous. We all got one. And then here comes Julia from the first film with what looks like all of her skin. Yep. In that dress that she was wearing when she was just meat. Yep. And she starts seducing him. Mm-hmm. And when he puts his hand on her back, he puts his hand right in the spot where she ain't got no skin. Ugh. So she drains him. Of course. Getting back the last of her skin. Of course. Yeah. And this is worth pointing out that it, during the first one, first time I saw it, without seeing any of the sequels, I'm thinking, well, can't Frank just drain more people and get his skin back, right? That yeah. seems a lot easier than killing your brother, cutting his skin off, and slapping it on you. Just suck a few more mailmen. Second one proves it. Julia just needed more, you know, he yeah. just needed a couple more people. Just a few more. He could have avoided the whole mess. Yeah, but he ran out of time. Things to I, do. I guess. Nieces to be gross at. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah, Julia's back, uh -huh. and she goes downstairs and meets up with Dr. Chenard, who I believe has brought Tiffany with at this point, because they're going to yes. open the box. Yes. But Kirsty's got it, and if I recall correctly, she opens it. Mm -hmm. Either way, the portal is open, Yeah, the Cenobites are here, mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, what if we just let you run around in hell in this movie? Yeah. And so they do. Mm -hmm. They bring they... them to hell that is kind of like an old labyrinth type game, a maze game, Yeah, you know? It's very narrow hallways, but also a giant open area with a big black shape that shoots a pillar of darkness in multiple yep. directions called Leviathan, and it yep. is their god. Yep. It's a cool rendition of hell. I like mm -hmm. it. It's yeah, not there's fire no... and brimstone. Right. It doesn't actually seem that bad. 
but it is kind of artsy in a way. Yeah, it's a boring hell. It's a really boring it's hell. It's a boring honestly. hell, which, uh, in my opinion, might be a little bit worse than a painful hell. Maybe. You know? Yeah. At least if I'm getting, like, cattle prodded or something, I'm feeling something. But I have to, like, just sit and walk through a maze all day. I'll yeah. take the cattle prod. I think you'd have enough cattle prodding at some point. But I hope you never find out. Never tried it. Well, we'll try it once. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so they're in hell, and it seems like everyone kind of has their own personal hell. Kirstie yells something about trying to save her dad, and Pinhead says mm-hmm. something like, oh, he's in a much, he's in a separate part of hell. Nowhere yep. near us now, but you feel free to run around, yeah. kid. There's no fast travel in this hell. No, no. There's no unlocks. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's not even any drops. It's rough. Well, no, there is. We'll get to it. Um, so Dr. Trenard and Julia are kind of having their own little experience because mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, I'm used to this. I'm glad you wanted to come here because mm-hmm. now I can show you around. Thanks for getting me my skin back. Mm-hmm. Here's the death elevator. And this little thing kind of pops up along the ledge and it opens up a box and she pushes him backwards into it. Right. And... I'll let you tell it, because I know you had such a such a reaction to it. So, Dr. Chenard, he gets kind of... It, it looks like piano wire. Yeah. Um, Like, four rows of piano wire, like, pressed into his face. Like, those stupid cake videos, you know, or like a, <laughs> yeah. like a you know, cutting a big piece of clay. Um, I've been calling him uh, Dr. Parallel. I think yeah. that would be his Spider-Man villain name, because he has parallel lines going across his face. It'd yeah. be fun to, like write stuff on it like it's lined paper oh I, that would be very like culty that would mm-hmm. be cool throw darts at him yeah. at different points for which section of his face there's also a bunch of needles that go into him at various points uh-huh. and like have like colorful lit, lit up fluids that are going into him and stuff and yeah he's, like getting the whole treatment yeah he's he really becomes a, a, a overpowered cenobite he's the pretty quick yeah he has uh a thing attached to his head that he looks like a kind of hangs just like, from. It's like a dick with a syringe that comes out of the top of it that just sticks right into his brain right. and lifts him out of the elevator. Right, and he's got um, he's got tentacles. He's got snake tentacles that have eyeballs right. or that have knives, eyeballs. In their, or syringes in their mouths. Yep, just whatever he needs. Yeah, not only a tentacle, a snake tentacle, but not only a snake tentacle, a snake tentacle with a knife coming out of it that he can also shoot out of his hand that'll operate right. on its own right yeah yeah he he makes uh he makes the rest of the cenobites look pretty i mean the, the rest of them stupid. stand there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dr Trenard, he's popping off he's living his dream he says mm-hmm. something like my only regret is waiting so long or something after he's been like fully cenobited uh-huh oh god and he makes the wildest noise <laughs> we'll play it for you yeah <laughs> yeah in fact i think i i think i used it in the in the intro and the outro for this episode Yeah, if you're so, wondering what that is, that's the sound yeah. of Dr. Chenard <laughs> having the time of his life. Yeah, that's just the sound he makes. That's how he roars into combat. He he makes the coolest noise out of all the Cenobites, too. He makes noise. He makes noise. Two of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's down there, and Kirsty and Tiffany are running around together. Or, no, they're not even together initially. Her, Tiffany goes through her own personal hell. Yeah. Where we kind of get her backstory established a little she, bit. She got scared by clowns. Well, that doesn't seem to have anything to do with it, it but there really, are just clowns it there. It really doesn't, yeah. Because clowns are scary? Yeah, it just <sighs> confuses me, because we've talked about this before off-air, but 
does that just mean so if i've had one scary experience with a clown or, or that's a clown forever freak, for that's, you it's always clowns yeah which like, is weird i wasn't afraid of clowns until um my cousin described the plot of the of the tv movie it to me at thanksgiving when i was maybe six years old and okay while i'm on this i have to mention this because it's been on my mind and making me laugh for over a week now stephen king's wife threatened to divorce him over his love for the song mambo number five (laughs) i think that's the greatest thing i've heard in my life (laughs) he's so right though what a wonderful song right yeah i went through that with who could it be now do i play that just always came up anytime i played music that was somehow in my shuffle and maddie bestie slash old roommate hated it Mm. hated it it can be a little grating it can yeah especially when you think about that saxophone player killed himself who could it be now anyways who could it be now hellbound (laughs) uh tiffany's hell beyond the clowns it's also presented that dr chenard originally met her because her mom came in and said can you help my daughter Mm -hmm. at which point he seems to have murked her mom and started operating on her brain yep he's a doctor he he didn't didn't go to eight years of evil doctor school to not open up someone's head yeah that's why we keep saying dr chenard you got to keep you got to respect it the time he did doctors they're they're good worthy of respect always yeah mr chenard was his father yeah So, oh, there's also a scene where, like, a baby is, like, in this montage of her hell, there's a baby stitching its mouth shut. Yeah. Which is, I think, kind of supposed to be very on-the-nose representation of she's not going to speak anymore. Her innocence, her childhood is locked away and right. will no longer be represented by her mouth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's her personal hell. <laughs> we also get to go to Frank's personal hell. He's back. Yes. Uh, He's Frank's back, personal baby. hell is tan walls with holes about waist high that shoot out little platforms that are lit from the platform mm-hmm. with a writhing naked woman underneath a sheet on them. Yeah, l- like looking like she's getting fucked. Yeah, and these there's a bunch of these holes and they all just have women slide out, mm-hmm. slide back in, slide out, yeah. slide back in. And if you walk up and you pull that sheet back to see the naked lady, <gasps> nothing. Nothing. Never so more. His personal hell is like, a very easily ignorable version of edging. Yeah, it's 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 pretty mild. It's, it's not pretty too mild. Bad. I mean, I guess the thing is, he I would assume he just can't jack off, which you know, big deal, buddy. Go you go You're in hell. Go is... rub it against a pillar or something. Like you 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 escaped hell in the first one because you couldn't handle this. But like, if the option yeah. was just to like hang out in that room versus go to work, I know what I'd rather do. It's a big room. It's a fine room. It's a big room. It's got like like a, a like a. A vanity with yeah. some makeup on it, and he looked like he could just hang out and have yeah. a nice time. Yeah, I don't know. high high ceilings, two story ceilings. There's nothing you know? in the room that like you couldn't fall on anything painful yeah. if you tried. And I do love the naked woman under a sheet as as an art piece. Yeah, I think that would be real a really fun exhibit at the MIA or something. Like, yeah, honestly, if you could have some sort of hologram project like that into a yeah. house or something, I'm sure people would be about it. I would. I Hell would... is awful, kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to go there. Make sure you, you eat your vegetables or whatever. <laughs> whatever kids do these days. Yeah. Eating their vegetables. Vape your vegetables. <laughs> it's it's not that bad. But, but Kirstie wanders in there because it looks like the front door to her house that everything happened in the first movie. Right. 
and Frank's in there. Then all the ladies under the sheets are covered in blood. Mm-hmm. He's mad about it. He's trying to fuck her because she's actually there. Yep. And she throws something at that vanity and breaks it, and then everything starts on fire, and all his skin melts off, and she walks away, and that was Frank. Yep. It wasn't her dad. Nope. Yeah, yeah, it was Frank in the beginning of the film who said, I'm in hell, help me. He yep. reveals that to her, and that's yep. like, wow. Wow. And your, your dad wasn't trying to trick you. Frank was. When would that have... How, who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah. You've known one person to not have skin in your life, and then you see a vision of someone without skin. Who's not even claiming to be your father in this vision. <laughs> you like, assume it's, it's my father. It must be. I have to figure out my, how to get to hell. My father, who is a good man, is Pinhead in hell. <laughs> I, I believe Pinhead confirms he is, though. That's the thing. But she doesn't know that either, and that's only when he they get there. He just said he's far away. That's what you tell a kid when you have to put the dog down. <laughs> we sent your father to an upstate farm <laughs> <Yeah>. in hell. <laughs> so, yeah, she's she reunites with Tiffany... They run into Julia, mm -hmm. and there's like a big suck hallway that Julia gets sucked down, and they grab her hands, and her skin comes off completely, and she's got like some weird version of the box in a different form. It looks like that big Leviathan crystal. Yeah. Um, can we mention quick to the inconsistencies with skin coming off with the clothes sometimes, yeah. skin coming off without the clothes sometimes. Julia's skin rips off in one fluid piece yep. with all of her clothes still on. It just lands on the ground. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. But then Frank's uh, life partner beater tank top <laughs> stays on Yeah, <laughs> when he gets it ripped off. And his face still has eyeballs on it. Yeah. A lot of, lot of weird uh, physics when it comes to sloughing. I think it's good that you bring up inconsistencies in the Hellraiser series early, because there's not a lot. There's not a lot. No, it's a very very well-constructed no. series. No weirdness in it. Um, it's a clear vision from beginning to end. Right. Through line. Yeah. Again, we'll get back to this. I'm lying through my teeth. <laughs> like chatters. Um, so yeah, it, it, they, uh, they're chased around by Dr. Chenard. He has some sort of awful, like, hellish version of the hospital where all the patients are literally chained to the bed by their faces and they're just solving mm -hmm. boxes. Yep. And he just goes through and kills some of them and chases our character Tiffany and Kirsty around. Pretty dope. At some point, Kirsty ends up in a room with all the other Cenobites and she's like, Hey, you know you weren't always like this, right? <laughs> and they're like no we are but what do you mean though yeah it's and the same kind of thing with the the people in the tva in the new loki series the returning loki series i, I nerd know you corner can't hear it but i am rolling my eyes yeah yeah we got different versions of nerddom happening in this house yeah hellraiser is a good crossover though hellraiser's great yes and by that i mean it's the worst yes so the 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 cenobites are like starting to kind of cope with the fact that they were people. Uh-huh. That they, like, weren't always like this. They're not some sort of permanent fixture of the universe to cause pain, pleasure, torture. Right. So, at that point, Dr. Trenard busts into the room. <laughs> makes his most fantastical noises and murks all of them. Yeah. Just slaughters them bada bing bada boom and as he does you kind of get a sense of what they are like deep throat dies and you see what she looked like butterball mm -hmm. dies and you see what it looks like you find out that chatters he... is like a child yeah and unfortunately butterball was not a new orleans jazz musician <laughs> no i mean 
I'd prefer they weren't turned into that. Yeah. And Chatters wasn't a dentist. Maybe he was a he, kid he, that he was, was going to grow be... up to be a dentist. <laughs> oh, God, that's dark. I'd rather take the Cenobite gig. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> um, But eventually Pinhead is the only one left, and he's still wearing the big leather outfit, but he's, like, completely gotten back to, like, hair ring, balding yep. white guy. Just normal no white pins, Obama. No, yeah. No pins, no torture, and he mm -hmm. just kind of looks at Kirsty and Tiffany. He's like, "I got this," and he uh -huh. pulls off the knife in his belt, and his throat gets slashed instantly. Yep, not even a, not a second. There's mm. not even combat. There's <laughs> just all right. I'm ah. <laughs> and uh, the combat probably would have been pretty dumb. I don't really want to see a human pinhead fighting. No, I I don't think I really do either. No. It it was the smart move ultimately. You're right. Mm. But they run away. Dr. Chenard continues to chase them. Mm -hmm. I think I got this a little out of order, but you'll forgive me because you have to. Um, we're in brain soup country. We're talking anyways. about we're talking about 11 Hellraiser movies. Uh, <laughs> I promise that the rest of them will no, go quicker than these because they just two. keep getting worse. <laughs> um, so they're chasing him. Tiffany has been cornered. She kind of gives up. And Dr. Chenard is about to murk her when Julia shows up again. Mm -hmm. Julia's back. She's back, baby. And Dr. Chenard says the classic Ash Williams line, give me some sugar. Oh, not groovy. He doesn't say that, but it would be amazing <laughs> if he did. And he insists that they kiss. And mm -hmm. she comes over and she kisses him. Yep. And then Tiffany slides her the box and she stabs him. Fuck yeah. And then there's like an explosion or something and she's hanging off the edge. Mm -hmm. It turns out that the reason that Julia would betray him is because it's actually Kirsty wearing Julia's skin from the pile of skin that she left in the hallway. <laughs> You gotta be careful where you leave your skin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, got him. Hell is undone. They are sent back home. I hope someone slipped on the, her skin like a banana peel. Whoop! Whoop! Yeah. <laughs> like, rubbing the back of their head when they show up to hell work. And they're like, why are you late, Randolph? I slipped on a human skin. <laughs> We've all been there. Mondays, am I right? You're a pathetic excuse for a Cambian demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh yeah she escapes tiffany and her get out i feel like there's some like implication they're gonna stay in touch despite the fact that tiffany's only line and seemingly the only word she'll ever say is shit <laughs> shit but that's hellraiser 2 it yeah. was a step up in terms of budget 3.6 million 12 million return not mm -hmm. quite the same but obviously a success yeah I think a lot of people like this one better because it's a lot more whimsical. There's a lot more lore. Mm -hmm. It's a little less you're trapped in a house. Uh huh. And uh, I don't think I like it just because it confuses me. Yeah. The whole reason Tiffany's there is because Dr. Chenard needs someone to open the box, but Tiffany opens the box. And I understand that he didn't know Tiffany was going to show or that Kirsty can open the box. Yeah. And I understand he didn't know Kirsty was going to show up in his life. But as a writer, yeah. why is Tiffany in the film? Why do you need to have a character who has no lines just to run around and right. provide support to a character who could be written to not need it? It's it's like uh, Suicide Squad. I mean, they did this on purpose, but giving uh, John Cena and uh, Idris Elba, you know, their characters are like the same type in the in the squad of misfits, you know, never yeah. miss gunslingers. You yeah. don't need two characters with the same, <laughs> the same purpose. No, especially when one of them is an established character we like, who is capable of everything that will be asked of either of them. Uh huh. And the other one is a character who is not given lines who like it, young person acting. 
she just wasn't a great actress yeah. either. She doesn't sell the role, but there's nothing to sell because what is it? So hell if I know. Hellraiser. Hellraiser if I know. But yeah. right. Hellbound, love it. You should be watching these first two films. Watch the first two. Yeah. Let's talk about the third. Yeah. If uh, you can, you can stop at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you want, if you feel like the first two are just for you, but if you wanted to see us get really upset, um, keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've wrapped up our Christmas classic, Hellraiser 2 Hellbound. Yeah. <laughs> Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Tis the season. Comes out September 11th, 1992. Ooh, yeah. Worst thing to happen that day. In any decade. In any decade. Uh, it is a story about Joey, who is a wannabe reporter. Right. Uh, she We are introduced to her as she stands in the ER, complaining mm. that nothing bad is happening to people, and that means she has nothing to report on. Yeah. Why can't somebody show up hurt? <laughs> <laughs> but then someone does. Yeah. A young man shows up with chains hanging out of him. Uh-huh. And uh he's got a gal with him, but she kind of runs away once the the doctors have got him. Yeah. Joey goes and tracks her down to do some investigating. They have a weird little relationship where she moves in with her. Mhm. And uh not romantic, just an odd connection. Yeah. And Joey finds out from her that there's a, a club where they had been spending time. Yeah. And she should talk to uh, J.P. Monroe, the uh, the club owner. Uh-huh. Good old J.P. Monroe. Every every cool, badass club owner has two initials for their first name. Yeah. He is a... Uh... Is it J.P. or J.B.? J.P. 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 Just, just pussy. That's all. That's what he's about. That's what that that's, is what he's that's about. That's his thing. Yeah, he's about that and tacky art. Because earlier in the film, he buys a big concrete pillar. Yeah, at a, a pillar at a weird thrift shop. Yeah, it's you know these building. eclectic types. Yeah, and it's got all sorts of weird concrete carvings in it. But most yeah. notably, it has pinhead. I would say most notably, it has a fucking baby stuck in it. That's not till that's that's actually the end pillar of. The second one, I think, is when that yeah. shows up. There's still the stone baby. In oh, there's a though. stone baby yeah. on it. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. There's a couple even, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of pillars, a lot of rotating pillars. Rotating in, pillars uh, is a theme. In these, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's about the most consistency that they get is there's, there's, rotating there's pillars. No, the pillars fall away. Uh, who gives a fuck? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, J.P. Monroe has this pillar. Mm-hmm. And, uh... At one point, he's fucking some woman he met at his own club, mm-hmm. and then he feeds her to the pillar because the pillar's talking to him and asks for blood. Yeah, Pinhead wants out. Yep. And so, for whatever reason, Pinhead is in this pillar. At the end of two, we see a pillar and Pinhead's face is on it. Yeah. But like it's who knows? Who knows? And so he starts feeding bodies to it mm-hmm. to get Pinhead out because he's uh, he's promising them things. Yeah. And uh, Terry, the gal who uh, she's the one who was living with Joey right. for a minute, and she was the one who came into the hospital. Right. She goes and sees him because they used to date. Mm-hmm. And it's a very awkward scene where he's trying to, like, have sex with her so he can sacrifice her to a pillar. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she uh, she recognizes the pillar's an evil thing and kind of kind of takes a chop at him. And then she feeds him to the pillar. Yeah. Because Pinhead is like, Terry, wouldn't you like to not be afraid of him anymore? Feed me. Hell yeah. He knows how to woo someone. Yeah. He really he's, does. He's a, he's a great manipulator in <laughs> he three. Is. Cause that's, he is. that's what he would need to do based on the prior two movies. You know, he, he would need to manipulate characters into getting what he wanted uh-huh. because mm-hmm. he doesn't have any real power of any substantial yeah. kind or the ability to do anything. This is another instance where I'm like, yeah, I'm with, I'm with the Cenobites on this one. Let's get rid of yeah, JP, JP Morgan sucks. over here. Yeah. Uh, JP Morgan too. JP Morgan. Fuck them. Yeah. 
I don't have any beef with them, I guess. It's just a fun thing to I, say. I bank with someone else. So. If they'd like to sponsor. I'm sorry, JP Morgan. If you want to sponsor JP Morgan, don't don't hold this on Send us. Send us we'll, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Send, Send us money. money. We'll, we'll forgive you for this transgression. Yeah. Anyways. Show me what's in Fort Knox. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> um, at this point, Pinhead is out. Yeah. He's walking around. Yep. Joey has the box from Terry. Mm-hmm. And... Pinhead wants the box back for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's his box. It's his box. And he comes out in the club and he uses his magical pinhead powers to lock all the doors and just shoot chains everywhere yeah. at everyone. It's like uh, it's like Carrie. It is a little like Carrie, mm-hmm. but everybody's dying yep. in like goofy chain incidents. Yeah. Getting, or the uh, head sliced off. Yeah. Impaled. It's it's a wacky time. Uh-huh. There's a CD DJ. Yeah. And all of his discs are pushed into his head. Yep, you know those CD DJs. Yeah, of the 90s. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Can, You can't scratch a DVD on a record no. spinner. Okay, <laughs> I didn't think Don't so. quite work like that. <laughs> There's ways to do like digital DJ like scratching with like audio gear so you don't need a vinyl record to be able to scratch. But uh-huh. it didn't look like he had that and I don't know if that was available in 92. <laughs> Either way, he gets turned into a Cenobite uh-huh. CD man. With CDs stuck in his head, and he... He throws th- CDs at people, he moves and sounds like a oh, robot. That's right. He doesn't... I thought he shot them out of his mouth. He pulls he it out of his chest, and then yeah. he throws it. That's right. Like a like a throwing star. Yeah, like a ninja star. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... And then we got uh, a cameraman, well, too. The, Joey's cameraman, who's, like, her only friend. I don't mm-hmm. know if he gets a name. He does, for sure. He looks like a Randy. He looks like a Randy. At one point, she's running around, and she sees him, like, dead on the floor, and he's sitting next to his camera, and his head is in his hands. Yeah. And then another scene, he's a Cenobite, and his camera's in his head. Uh-huh. He's just a lens sticking out where his eyes should be. Uh-huh. I love the just different Cenobite shticks. What What would yours be? What would your Cenobite thing be? Oh, we have the smoker, too. Oh, this, oh well, we they show up at the end. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, what would your Cenobite shtick be i think i'd be like covered in like a pox or something i mean some diseased nastiness that just keeps popping oh and you like burst like little bubbles and it gets on people like i just like run up and hug somebody and just cover them well it's like one of the monsters in the last of us i think i think i would want hot dog fingers like jamie lee curtis and everything everywhere all at once so are those just a torture to you just to have them is that the idea no i would like I would I would put them in people's mouths and make them like take a bite oh. out of it, and it's a it's a really yucky hot dog. Yeah, you know it's it's cold. It's a cold hot dog that they have to take a bite of. And you, I just you would have been a great Hellraiser three cent bite. Yeah, <laughs> and I would have Finn sticking out of my shoulder. Finn and I are morphed, and he's sticking out of my shoulder. My name, Finhead. Ooh, I like pretty that. good, right? I like people that. get too close, just yeah. Burr, 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 burr. You just feed him one of your fingers whenever he's getting like yeah. riled up. And then there's there's a wiener dog joke floating around somewhere in there. Well, that's I'll why your fingers are like that. Yeah. That's that's where the wienerness of them came from. Wiener head. Pin wiener. That's been made. <laughs> <laughs> so it, basically this at this point, Hellraiser 3 becomes like a darker episode of the Power Rangers where we've yeah. just got Monster of the Week, goofy looking Cenobites walking around causing issues. Yep. The camera head guy, like, forces the lens through somebody's head at yes, one point. he does not shoot lasers, as I remembered and hoped. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but watching a camera lens just, like, just zoom through somebody's face is, like, no. Love it. I, 
I love it too, but it's just so dumb. Yeah. They're walking around, and Joey has run into a church. Mm-hmm. And she runs up to a priest, and she's like, <laughs> help me, there's demons chasing me. He's immediately, my sweet demons aren't real. He's He just abandons his religion the minute he has to do something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, all of this is set up just so that Pinhead can then throw open the door, and we can get a shot from over Joey's shoulder mm. where she says something along the lines of, then what the fuck is what that? What is that? <laughs> and, uh... And uh, this priest grabs like a silver cross or something and holds uh-huh. it up to him, and Pinhead's just like, "Nah, buddy," and just melts it to his hand. Oh, I love it. It's a super corny so effect. So badass. And then uh, he gets up behind the altar. Mm-hmm. Pinhead he, does. Pinhead does, and he pulls a couple nails out of his hand, his head, and they've still got like brain chunks on him. <laughs> yeah. And he pushes them into his hands, and he spreads them wide eagle. Uh huh. And uh, tilts his head tilts to the side. Head. Just like Jesus Christ, baby. Yeah. I love it. I need that at my funeral because I have a feeling that some people will go against my wishes and have it at a, a church. So I need, Will, I All need right. you. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if people tr- call the cops on you. I I'll, need you to be standing in front of the cross cosplaying as Pinhead. I'll be your Pinhead, baby. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and so this is like, as far as like what you can find history on, this is the most controversial scene in the entire series. Uh, people were not really okay with this in terms of production, and it is the only Ooh. point. Like, I feel like it, the first two films kind of definitely have like a Western theology implied, Christianity implied. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's what every character believes in, mm-hmm. but it's never like you don't talk about the devil at any point, right? It's Christianity isn't the superhero in this one, which is a horror trope that I am so sick of. Same. I am so sick of it. That's why Christian I, horror is just boring. I in can't stand at this point. The, you know the conjuring. I don't like when Jesus saves the day. And fun fact, a lot of those movies are actually funded by Christian organizations. Got to keep the faith alive. Alive, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Joey is running around. She escapes the church. Lord knows why she. I mean, she went there to try to get help from the demons, but it. No, there's no help. She just right. keeps running around. It It's unclear as to what her plan is, I think, at this point. She really is just running around with the box. And she goes down to the docks, and there's Terry, the gal from earlier, right. with a cigarette stuck in her throat, because that's her Cenobite <laughs> thing, is because she smokes a lot. She smokes. Maybe that would be my thing. Maybe I would have a, a vape sticking out of my throat, and it would blow out like a choo-choo train. That could be it. Choo-choo. Yeah. As long as you're still Finhead. Yeah. Yeah. I I got a lot of I got a lot of shticks going on. I'm like Dr. Shenard. Yeah. I got like four different things going. <laughs> They're all extremely goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh JP Monroe is also back. He's got like a some sort of mechanical pounding device. He's got head. a he's got a piston that yeah. is like firing through his head because Cause sex. That man lays it down. That's that's his character. He's a pipe trait. layer. And Pinhead is on a hill telling Joey about how she's fucked and it's going to be pain and torture forever. Yep. <laughs> and meanwhile, she is surrounded by these Cenobites that he's mm-hmm. made just in the last couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And she's like on her knees trying to solve the box. And what are they doing to stop her? Nothing. Walking in circles, kind of like <laughs> kicking at her every <laughs> once in a while. And then she solves the box, points it at him, and they go back. Yeah. And she buries it. Or I don't remember what she does. I think that's just it. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> There's no bone dragon that yeah. takes it and flies We didn't even away. talk about the bone dragon in one. One ends with a bone dragon from a 
fire. An it's the most confusing thing. An unhoused man who had popped up a couple of times ate in the movie. Ate some crickets. Ate some crickets. He walks into a fire and then uh, to grab the, the box. We cut away and then we cut back to him who is turned into a dragon made of bones. And then we cut to black. Yeah, and that's we, how, and we that's hear the how Hellraiser 1 ends. Yep. Yeah. Forgot to mention and, that uh, because it 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 just doesn't it comes out of left field completely. Yep. Never see the dragon again. Yeah, never. Mm-mm. You see like maybe you're an allusion to that like character type in the following film, yeah. but not the same way. Nope. Yeah. Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth. Mm-hmm. It is the goofiest of the films for sure. Mm-hmm. It, when I say it feels like a Power Rangers episode, I really can't describe it better. They're walking down the streets the way this sh- like sparks shoot out for the effects it's uh-huh. just very goofy <laughs> if you loved the first two or you tolerated them enough to think that watching a third sounds interesting mm-hmm. you're still on a good page here this is where we're gonna start turning yep five million dollar budget twelve and a half million dollar profit getting worse yeah getting worse our, pro- our our budgets are getting higher and it is narrowing the gap <laughs> it ain't helping much profit nothing. yeah <laughs> Because so, it, it wasn't at Christmas time. No, that's you really know? <laughs> the Christmas classic in the wrong season, September. What are we thinking? What are you doing? <laughs> well, they worked on that. Hellraiser 4, Bloodline. Uh huh. Comes out March 8th, 96. Just in time for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I guess. Kiss me, I'm a Cenobite. So, Bloodline is the story of the box. Yep, the box gets the story. Because, I mean, if it's going to be the MacGuffin, it might as well get a story. Yep. Uh, it's the last one that the original creator, Clive Barker, worked on. Uh-huh. Um, this, I believe, is the last... Um, well, it's the, it's the last theatrical release that he worked on. I believe so. Yeah. He comes back for the Hulu one. Yes. As yeah. a, like, as a consultant more yep. role. But he is involved in that yeah. one. So um, this is, yeah, his last theatrical release. It is a story that takes place in a few different timelines. Mm-hmm. The first timeline, the year, 2127. Ah. It's about Dr. Merchant <laughs> on his giant space station that he's designed himself. Yeah. And he's like taking it over and everyone's like, what is he doing? What could possibly be the plan? Uh-huh. But he's solving the box while solving he does it. Solving the box. He, with, a, uh, with a robot. Yeah, he correctly. He's um, yeah. he's he's controlling a robot. Yeah, so because that he doesn't he... want to touch the box, and rightly, rightly so. so. Yes, yeah. he um he knows the deal. Yeah, how he makes it so that a robot can do whatever it is that the box needs to detect to get it to come through. He figured it out. It's we the... don't got to worry about it. It's sci-fi now. Wii Sports motion control. Nothing finer. We also are taking place in the 18th century, a little oh. Italian town. Uh, there's a toy maker. <laughs> Who makes the original box that all of this is connected to? <laughs> so even though the Cenobites are like ageless and timeless as best they can tell, it definitely yeah. doesn't show up before this 18th century yeah. box or something. Uh, yeah, and this then we've is got... like how Nessie was. Nessie popped up in the 1800s and then or or 1600s or something. And then not again. Go listen to our uh, cryptids episode. Yeah, continue, my where, friend. Where I've got the details right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and then there's uh there's the 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 modern day timeline, which is to say about 1996. Yep. And there we get introduced to Angelique, who becomes like Pinhead's hottie Cenobite girlfriend, yeah. and she's cool. It's all a mess, but it it's just kind of too ambitious. I think is really its issue. The mm-hmm. budget isn't there to be able to provide all the sets and the costuming for all of this, and it's too many ideas. Yeah. But ultimately, the in the future, that giant space station 
was secretly designed to be a new box that made infinite light so when the robot summons Pinhead, mm-hmm. he can never escape. Right. Yep. That I, makes sense. I tracked you. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser 4 Bloodline. <laughs> uh, $4 million budget, $9.3 million profit. Okay, well, so this is worth noting. I believed this to be Hellraiser in space. It's the only film with space in it in the right. Hellraiser series. But it's, what, the first, first 10 minutes of the movie 10. and then a little bit at the end? Maybe the last 5 or 10. The yeah. way that one was described to me was Hellraiser in space. It's, and that is a letdown. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> don't go, please. Don't tell your friends that four is Hellraiser in space. Yeah, if you if you watch Hellraiser three and you're like, oh, this is fun. I want to watch more of these bad ones. Watch four. If this isn't fun for you, you have to stop here. This is yeah. the point of no return if you keep going. This I is when they stop having almost any redeeming qualities. I think we've said that after everyone so far, and we're gonna say it after everyone. No, at this point to I'm just, at this point I'm just like, if you are listening to me talk about this and you want to watch it, that's on you, buddy. That's your fault. Yeah, that's your fault. We're doing this so that you don't have to. I will say I've watched all of these films at least twice, most of them more than twice, because I think this series is ridiculous, and I love bad movies, and I love bad series, mm-hmm. and this is like a perfect storm of shit for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not right in the head. Don't do this to yourself. <laughs> Hellraiser 5 Inferno is next. We got October Woo! 3rd, 2000. They finally Woo! got it in the right month. Yeah. We did it. Uh, it is directed by Scott Derrickson. I bring this up. I haven't brought the director in the other ones because for the most part, there aren't a whole lot of consistency in the directors of these films. There's yeah. another notable one that we're going to mention later. Uh, but I bring up Scott Derrickson because he's the guy who directed the original, uh, original Doctor Strange movie. Yes. So like kind of a weird name to show up in the middle of one of the worst series of all time. Uh huh. But he had been wanting to write this movie. He wanted to make a Hellraiser movie. Mm-hmm. And this is his attempt. It is a story about Joseph, who is kind of a sketchy detective. He uh, he has sex with prostitutes. Mm-hmm. He does drugs, and he is also a detective. Drinks on the job. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's love that type of detective. Yeah. I, if my detective doesn't have a flask, I don't want to watch it. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. But he is investigating a series of events related to a, a serial killer that is being referred to as the engineer. The engineer. Why? And because he is engineering the killing. He's engineering a plot for murder. Oh. Gotta be. Yeah, I I haven't watched this one in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's not the worst of what is to come. Uh-huh. Um, it is conceptually kind of odd to watch this guy go through all these experiences where he's like having hallucinations and freaking out because even up to this point, there's never been a point where like. Hellraiser is about having visions. Right. It's always been a pretty literal horror that you face. Yeah. But it was meant to be a Hellraiser film. Clive Barker kind of gave it his thumbs up, but like really mm-hmm. wasn't too involved. It doesn't sound like it's really fine. He find I think he just finds it at the end that like it's over. He's cursed. He's done too much. And now now the Hellraisers are after him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the thing I think of of note is this one, too, is we get further into these series. And I talk about when I said like at the beginning, Pinhead is really what we're here for. When we're talking about these movies, we're bringing up Pinhead pretty rarely, but we're mm-hmm. getting pretty excited when we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this feature-length film, Pinhead is on screen a total of two and a half minutes. Ugh. 
Not in a row, even. God, of course not. It's not all one scene that's two and a half minutes long. It's two and a half minutes total. And he's on the box. He is the one selling the merch. It's the only thing. It's, it's probably the only thing on the poster, to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. like fucking. It's like far worse than even Darth Vader in the original Star Wars, which is like oh yeah, five minutes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and they didn't know how big Darth Vader was gonna become. If they had known that, he would have been in a lot more of it. They fucking know that people are coming to this. That's the only thing they're selling head. it on. Yeah. yeah it's like. We'll want to see that pin guy. Goddamn Christmas movie, but there's not a Santa to be seen. We've got a Christmas movie, and there's going to be snow on the ground in it mm-hmm. for four minutes. Mm hmm. Granted, I'm sure a lot of you know Christmas without snow, but that's just a sad thing. Fuck you if you have Christmas without snow. I, I just feel pity for you, but also <laughs> that's right. Either way, $2 million budget. Couldn't find anything about a return. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it didn't take $2 million <laughs> to make this movie either. Uh, but it is definitely a film that's been made. This is a, you accidentally rent it one time at Blockbuster. Yeah, it's it's an entirely neutral viewing experience, which normally for me, I would argue is the worst thing a film can do. Oh, yeah. I want to watch something that sucks or is really great. Yeah. A really intentionally yeah. well-designed, well-thought plot, well-made film, art mm-hmm. piece, whatever. Which is getting, it's it's getting tough for us this, um, this spooky season. It's getting tough for me anyways, because... Yeah. I feel, you know, it's, I still come across stuff that I walk away from being like, wow, that was a really good horror movie, but it just, I don't really want to watch new stuff that bad because a lot of it is that like, we're just making four, four out of 10 range where it's like, there's not enough heart in this for it to really be something. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the people who didn't make it didn't care. I think one of the biggest issues with Hollywood is just like, it's so money oriented that, yeah. To be able to have your vision be your vision is mm-hmm. near impossible when you have a name. Yeah. When you're just trying to get yourself off the ground, you got to take what you can get sometimes, yeah. and then you make movies like Hellraiser 5. Yeah. Jaws 6. Yeah. Hellraiser 5, very mid-movie. I would watch it again just in the sake of watching them all, and I wouldn't mind it. I disagree. It's. It doesn't <laughs> hurt me. It's just but a very, that's, but that's that's not fun. No, I agree. That's not uh, fun. It's, uh, but the the difference is, we're going to talk about films that are so bad. I love watching them in this series. Yep. We're going to talk about films in this series, at least one that's so bad that we will never watch it. Overshoots again. it. Well, I will watch it again because I'm sick. But yeah, that's on me. All right, Hellraiser six. Trucker not along. We're we are now officially past the halfway mark through this series. Woo! Hellraiser six. Hellseeker, October fifth. 2002 boom boom still in uh still in october yeah they got that we're keeping that on track this we is know a... these are spooky now they're not christmas mm-hmm. m- movies we've settled that we've buried the axe mm-hmm. santa's not showing up again uh-huh we're good we're all right so hellraiser six hellseeker mm-hmm. kirsty's back Woo! kirsty's back i missed her i missed her 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 deep rich character i'm sorry to say she's not really in it oh this is a story about Kirsty and her husband, Trevor. Yeah. Trevor and Kirsty are going on a drive. They're getting in a little bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. And As they're Trevor's do. Trevor's do. Mm-hmm. It's real. Trevor's driving. And uh, in this fight, Trevor driving drives them right off a bridge into a lake. Don't marry a Trevor. Especially not one you fight with. Uh-uh. I think it's funny, too, that he drives them like off the bridge into the lake because there's that, like, has this ever happened to you? I'm your brother, and I'm going to tear your basketball hoop off your garage. <laughs> that commercial guy, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, it's the 
is Mr. Chaos or whatever his whatever name his name is, is in those yeah, commercials. Yeah, he, he drops the branches on people's cars. Yeah, he's, he's a he's an oil slick or something. Always yeah. has bandages. It's that guy. It's Trevor. It's that guy. Yeah. Only thing that would have been better is if uh, Flo from Progressive was his girlfriend in this. Well, they got the OG Kirsty back. I know. And Flo would have been fun. Well, I just love that Flo. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> no. Have you seen Flo? <laughs> You good? <laughs> yep. I don't know about this flow bit. Em. It's not a bit. I like that. I like that flow. <coughs> I love that flow. Flow's cool. Okay. I wouldn't say that. Go fuck yourself. Keep talking about it. <laughs> so. Gonna go watch YouTube videos of flow. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't like flow. Can we continue? <laughs> Mr. Chaos. Trevor yep. Chaos. He uh, drives them off this bridge. Mm-hmm. He can't get Kirsty out, but mm-hmm. he gets himself out. And I, don't, if I recall correctly, they don't recover her body. No, I don't think they do. No, fucking Trevor's. He uh, he moves forward in his life. He uh, tries to collect on uh, on her life insurance, and he talks to his brother. And you you get the sense that like maybe this was planned. Uh huh. And he's also kind of a sketchy guy. Otherwise, in other ways, we figure out. But then he starts having like visions and weird things is happening to him. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out this is the beginning of his hell, and it's all been a torture because he's been dead the whole time and Kirsty survived. And we get to see her on the edge of the river saying, I don't know where he went. Good. Yeah, it, he's a he's a deplorable character. It's not really satisfying to see him go down. It just it's just kind of confusing throughout yeah. the film of to like what we're supposed to expect or want out of what's gonna be in the next scene. Mm-hmm. It's again not the worst of these, but it's not it's not great watching. Yeah. This is like maybe a four, maybe a three. Yeah. It's not funny. Um, Death Valley. They got the original actor who played Kirsty back, and uh she was quoted as saying the amount of payment she received for working on this film was not enough for a down payment on a fridge. <laughs> which I think is a really interesting metric to gauge. I don't know exactly how much money that would be in two thousand two. Two thousand two. So in... let's say a let's say a fridge is is Let's go six hundred dollars. Down payments two hundred. Down payments two hundred two thousand two. I'm gonna guess down payment seventy five bucks. That could be one twenty five. She is in not very much of the film, but like, oof. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Apparently, a three million dollar budget. Not more of it allocated for her. <laughs> oh, God. No, no number on return. That's but again, so I just horrible. I just don't think three million dollars was spent on that film. It doesn't look like it. No, uh, no. It doesn't feel like it. Sound like it. But also, like, it, it does. It feels like it's made by people who made movies. We move into Hellraiser yeah. 7, Deader. Whoa, love the name. Deader. Deader. Deader, I think, is possibly the worst subtitle for anything ever. I think so, too. More dead. Well, but ex- except for, because we're going to talk about this a little later, not on this podcast, but Evil Deader <laughs> would be great. I would yeah. accept Evil Deader. Evil Deader. Yeah. But Hellraiser that works 7, works a lot better Deader? with Evil Dead. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Evil Dead. Evil Deader. So Evil Evil Evil, evil Dead Seven. <laughs> if only, if only there were seven Evil Dead movies rather uh, than eleven Hellraiser movies. As a person who loves the shit out of this series, I would rather see that happen. I would trade that for anything. Any in a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Hellraiser Seven Deader. We got another story about a reporter. Amy is a reporter. The film opens with her in like a crack house. And then we get to see her at her desk after she comes home from this, writing a story called How to Be a Crack Whore. Yep. So I love I love that piece. 
Yeah. There's... I love that BuzzFeed article. I don't know. Like, there seems to be a consistent theme in these movies that, like, reporters are incredibly disrespectful people, maybe? Yeah. They're, they really are, like, shitty, exploitative people in these movies. Yeah. It's like like Nightcrawler, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But cartoonish. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, she is a person who is investigating of her own volition, not a detective, mm-hmm. but, you know, she's hunting around, trying to figure out what's with this debtor cult. Yep. They call themselves debtors. Debtors. Uh, basically. I think the deadest. I think that's cool. Deadest would be. The deadest. The deadest would be way cooler. Yeah. It, debtors is just debtors. the worst. So, so bad. It's not even a funny word. No. It's not good to say. No. Say debtor. Listener. It doesn't do anything it's for like you. It's like chewing on a chewing on a flavorless gum. Yeah. Deader. <laughs> Deader. So the debtors. Basically, there's this guy who leads them. Let me check my notes see if I got this this bastard's name. I don't think I do. It doesn't matter. It's also yeah, we gotta note this too. The release date of this one and the other one, we're gonna talk about the director of both of these being a guy named Rick Boda. If I'm not mistaken, they're both filmed in Romania, and they're filmed yes. at the same time as each other for a while. Yes. Uh, coming out on June 7th, 05, and then Hellraiser 8, we'll get to it, September 6th, 05. Yeah. So about three months from each other, the Hellraiser fans were eaten. <sighs> Should have gone back to doing it on 9-11. Yeah, two in just a matter of months. And they they had to do this out of some weird contractual BS where if they didn't uh, produced two Hellraiser movies, they were going to lose the rights to it. Yeah. It was a combination of that and then something, again, with the, you know, renting the, the space in Romania to shoot this. It's worth noting that despite including Kirsty in the last one, mm-hmm. most six, seven, and eight, I believe, yeah, six, seven, and eight are all scripts that Dimension Studios bought mm-hmm. that didn't have pinhead in them <laughs> and they said, they were just they were they were scripts s- scripts that were sitting in a file cabinet somewhere and they said all right we've spent the money to buy this script how do we uh-huh. spend them well, how do we turn this money into more money by getting people to watch it yeah and the answer is you put that guy with the nails in his head on the cover well he's got to be in the movie somewhere then probably yeah find a way to rewrite this get the pinhead in there hellraiser seven i feel like pinhead is one of the very few characters that that you could do this with in a movie. I think I think you could do this with Candyman for horror movies. I think the 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 strength he has coming from the first two films at least mm-hmm. is the his enigmatic nature. Mm-hmm. The depth of his powers, what he's about, why he's there, what he's for. It's all so muddled, but it's mm-hmm. clear that he is powerful. Mm-hmm. He is intelligent. He is in charge, and uh, he's he's talking about things that he's about to teach you that you know you're not ready to comprehend. Yeah. And uh, that makes him really different, which means yeah. you can staple him on anything because he's just scary by nature. I guess so. Until you staple him on everything, and suddenly he's like a sticker, and stickers aren't scary. No. So debtors, they're a cult. Mm. And the deal is they've got a cult leader who is found this power, basically. Uh-huh. That he can kill you, and then you come back to life. Yeah. And that, like, really gets them off. Hey, it makes sense. If that was real, people would form form up in a cult. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we see real suicide cults, and their plan isn't to come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, their plan is to come there back, is. and they just don't. No, their plan is to is to get off the planet. But to come back somewhere else effectively. Mm-hmm. 
get on the Hail Bob comet and yeah, they're ethereal beings. Who knows? Maybe they may. Hey, what if those Jonestown guys straight up just come back on a comet one day? That would be kind of nice. Be pretty tight. Yeah, I tight. I hope those people in whatever form they could be in now have found some satisfaction for it. But... And I, I hope they have real Kool-Aid in heaven, not the cheap flavor aid that they used. They also didn't live to see Hellraiser 7 dead, or so they were onto some things. Those poor fuckers. No, they got it right. <laughs> um, Joey investigates this cult. The scene that I remember the most is she, like, walks into somebody's apartment, and that person has, like, hung themselves while sitting on their toilet. Yeah. And then she, like, comes back to life, and, like, it's all about That's how I want to go. Yeah, hanging we'll myself the, from my toilet. Take the Elvis route. <laughs> so, it, long story short, she confronts the cult. They have the box. She opens, or she has the box. Somebody has the box. She uh -huh. opens the box. The Cenobites come out, and they say, hey, you've been using our power to do this. We hate that. They don't like that. And then they kill everybody there. All the debtors get killed. Uh-huh. And then it's just Amy, our reporter, left. And they're like, all right, you open the box. You know what that means. And she's like, no, I don't want an eternal torture. Uh -huh. I don't want an eternal torture. Mm -hmm. And so she kills herself, and the movie's over. Quick and easy, just like that. Because they have no way to stop that. Yep. There's nothing that the pinhead could do. He's never done anything to no one. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that that's the way out. I don't, I don't like that being a solution mm -hmm. in movies. It never is a good thing. I think if ever it is to be presented like that, it needs to be like a very distinct, like metaphorical choice. Mm -hmm. And the ability to weave suicide into your art and use it as metaphor is like such a dangerous and like potentially yeah. really icky thing to do that just don't. Hey, kids, want to get away from your demons? But like, that's the thing is you'd have to be representing something else. Not We don't yeah. got to postulate on that. No. Fuck ending your movie with the main characters killing themselves to yeah. escape the problem. Yep. That's just poor. We don't like it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just poor. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that gets through the writer's room. It's funny then know, that, or or just the pitch, like yeah. So how does it end? Well, Hellraiser eight, Hellworld. Also, we'll say two million dollar budget, unknown return. Uh, uh, I Hellraiser eight, love Hellworld. This one opens this with one. a suicide. <laughs> opens with a suicide as a way to. Get to the Cenobites. Yeah. Not to get away from them. To get to them. To get to and them. Again, and keep in mind, this is direct, the same director. Same fucking director. At the same time. Same time. He is making these movies not back to back. At the same at the time same at one time. point. You can see there's some, there's uh, absolutely some like wardrobe and, uh, wardrobe and, and uh, jewelry stuff yeah. that are in both movies. Because the jewelry and wardrobe are both bad. Yeah. And it's notable. <laughs> and no, very notable. It, it's it's rough. Oh, God. All uh, right. Let's get into this one. Yeah. Hellraiser 8. We are primarily following four friends. The fifth friend has killed themselves. Uh-huh. We got Chelsea, Allison, Derek, and Mike. Mike. Mikey. Mike. Sucks. Mikey boy. Uh, they used to play this really popular MMO called Hellworld. Hellworld? Name, subtitle of the film. Tell us what an MMO is for people that don't know. Sure. An MMO is a massive or a, a multi, massively multiplayer online game. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of it is that there's a bunch of players all congruently playing in this shared online space. Uh -huh. um, World of Warcraft, League of Legends. I mean, League of Legends is a MOBA, but... There's lots of big <laughs> online games. Yeah. Don't worry too much about it. That's not what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. They are out in the world, adults, no longer playing this game that, to their understanding, caused their friend to kill himself. Hold on, hold on. 
by adults, we mean 18 years old. In as their their characters are 18, I believe they're 16 at the beginning when they're at the funeral for their friend, and then they are 18. But they are at least very clear. They they look like they just put a second mortgage down on their house. Yeah, like they're. <laughs> they're bad. It, it's like take take Sam Raimi Spider Man and at double that age. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's really goofy. It, it makes it so the whole timeline of the film doesn't quite feel right. What? But yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> um, so they used to play this game. Their friend killed himself because he got too into it. They yeah. think. And then, and then they so, get an invitation so to what, a party at a mansion that's reasonably close by yeah. for people who used to play this game. And so the are people who, who actively do. It's still, if I it's remember still correctly, and... there's like a point where they're like, it's no longer online. Like I don't, I, I I don't, don't even think you can play it anymore. Yeah. But so, yeah, it's it's Hellworld. It's a, this is in the Hellraiser universe. It's not like this is a video game uh-uh. based off of the Hellraiser movies. And somehow this game features the Cenobites as characters. Digital pinhead, they know, the box. Right. And they have, you know, merch. It's on shirts. Somehow somebody knows what all the Cenobites look like, what Pinhead looks like, Dude, what they... hell is, what the box is, even though just about everybody that comes across them ends up dead. Like, the idea that it's also an MMO. Mm-hmm. There are in this universe that would mean there are YouTube videos about how to max like optimize your drops <laughs> from the pinhead boss fight in the third uh, raid. Like <laughs> people would talk about this all the time, even if it was weird little niche communities of just people weirding out about how to get the right gear to fight your to fight chatters. Yeah. So they go to this uh, mansion because there's going to be a party, and for it's for people who have played this game because. It's the fifth annual Hell World bash. <laughs> well, what the fuck Rage ever? Here. You know how it. You know how people who play play online games religiously are. They love being invited <laughs> to parties they've never been in places they've never been to. And this isn't just a party. This is an event. This is and a if, rager in a mansion. And if we know one thing about online gamers. They love going to events. <laughs> yeah, especially when games aren't involved. Yeah. <laughs> so. These kids, oh, these kids who are adults show up, and they're met by a real weird guy at the door. Weird guy. The host. The I host. I believe the unnamed. I don't believe he he's name ever himself, named. He doesn't We'll just call him the host. We'll call him the host. And so he, like, encourages them to take shots, and he's trying to get them to... He's so weird about it, but he just wants them to have a good Some time. Some of them do take the shots, a couple of them don't. Because I think two of the gals just don't yeah. want to. That's not their plan for the yeah. night. Which... Hey, gals that right there. Right on. Great. Doesn't move. save them. Great move. Yeah. Do not accept shots from a Weird man guys. you just met from a bottle that you didn't see it being poured. That's true. Mm-hmm. He just walks around the corner with shots. Yep. That is sketch. Yep. Well, Ugh. and we find out that's it. I would have been thrilled in my drinking days. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been thrilled with this whole situation. <laughs> it is a wild, wild party. There are hundreds of people there, yeah. dancing lights, mm-hmm. getting wasted, getting blowjobs. Yep. It's a whole shebang. Yep. It's like a like a college party in a movie. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, one by one, our characters are separating from each other to yeah. investigate different parts of the house, have their own nights. Yeah. Uh, one character, like, 
stabs herself on something by accident, like a yeah. letter opener or something. And um, and that is how. Well, okay, we, I won't. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just remember that. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a point. When, something happens to another one, right? Do you have one, a note? Um, is walking around and finds a really expensive bottle, fancy perfume. expensive bottle of perfume, and um sprays it directly in her face. Yeah, not on her neck, not on her, wrist. not even like into the air around her face. Just, just sprays right it directly on her face. That's how you use perfume. That's how I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Well, That's when, you, when act, you're when you're a giant right. adult teenager, yeah. <laughs> it, what do you do? Um, so they've all done this, and then as they separate throughout the house, they basically get locked into doors with Cenobites, have yeah. a spooky moment, and then die yep. one by one, are picked off. Yeah, I I wish I wanted to be in the room with Chatters. Yeah, That's the one I want to meet. I would be Chatters, buddy. Yeah, Chatters, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Can you bite your name into my butt? You know he would. Oh, absolutely. But eventually, I think it gets down to just two of them, and at that point, they like start to realize the party is weird. It's getting weird. It's getting weird, and they're trying to escape the house, and mm -hmm. it's just getting weird. It's getting real weird. Well, it's getting so weird. How it's weird down to it one. Getting? Turns out it's been a drug trip. What? That's why it's been so weird. A drug trip the whole time. So those shots. That sounds simple. It does sound simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Ed? It doesn't get more confusing. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. What happens? How how does this happen? How so do they get drugs? The host, the shots, spiked. Oh, of course. The accidental stabbing, laced. Laced. The perfume that you spray directly into your mouth, uh huh, laced. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was just <laughs> just made her really sick. Yeah, <laughs> that's why she made she it got out. A sinus infection from yeah. it. She <laughs> thought she was drugged, but she wasn't. Yeah. Just so, anyways. Yeah. It's some sort of incredibly powerful neurotoxin kind of drug. Yeah. Real, and, um, real, uh, what's the guy from Batman? Real scarecrow. Yeah. Real of, scarecrow kind of thing. Yeah. They, uh, they all pass out. Mm hmm. At which point the host puts them in little coffins with the, Nokia cell phones next to them. Yes. Nokia phones make 92 appearances in this movie. There are more Nokia phones in this film than there are probably entire minutes of pinhead screen time in the Hellraiser series. Absolutely. And yeah, I I just I love this era for movies like this that it's it's you could just really yeah. see the the dawn of like old people not understanding how young people use technology <laughs> or even what technology is meant to do. <laughs> right. So, right. And, and okay. I do want to add, quick. Yeah, yeah. we see at different points in the movie, the host digging holes outside the, the window, yeah, outside the window, but multiple characters see him doing it. I don't think anything of it. It's just kind of, he's just kind of a weird guy who's hosting this party, yeah, but he stepped away to dig holes. Yeah, you, like, like I did when I, um, when I got itchy and took a shower during a party. Yeah. You know, it's just like that. Sometimes just the host like that, just actually. has to yeah. <laughs> go dig a hole quick. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Well, it turns out he's actually been digging holes. Oh. They didn't see him do it because they've been passed out on drugs. Right. But they're not quite passed <laughs> right. out. Yeah. God, so remember, it, everything you've seen since that. Didn't Since happen. they walked in the door, <laughs> has not really happened. It's one of these movies because it's a drug trip. Um, he, uh, he dug up the ground. He put them in coffins in the ground with a little like funnel of air to get so they can continue <laughs> to breathe. And then he put a Nokia cell phone next to each of them in their individual coffins. And more or less, basically, the understanding is that he whispered to them what they were experiencing yeah. until it scared them bad enough to die. 
Yep, so like one loses his inhaler and dies of an asthma attack. One due to centibites? Yeah. Like they're around. <laughs> it's Yeah. They're around. I feel like one of them gets like but... is like strapped to a chair and gets their head cut off. Yeah, I th- yeah, because she weird like sexual she, I think shit. she ended up like clawing at her throat. Yeah, or something. In I the think coffin. that might be part of the asthma thing. Yeah, who fuck? Because then there's the one who gets the blowjob, and then she's like, "Let's go downstairs." Oh yeah, after he... getting a like very public blowjob, and then they go from down a, there um, from a dead nun. Yeah. Yep. Well, that that that's the bait and switch of the dead nun blowjob bit. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna give this one four out of ten instead of three, just because of the dead nun blowjob. Oh, I think this, I mean, if we're talking like objective film score, everything after two is a two out of ten. Yeah. Or less. Or yeah. distinctly less. As a watching experience, Hellraiser 8 Hellworld, uh-huh. like a six or a seven for me. Oh. I'm not always like wanting to watch this, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, this movie fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last character is able to escape her drug-induced, uh, yeah. and uses her Nokia in her in her box to call the cops, and they come dig yep. her up. And it turns out the host was their friend's dad. Yep. Trying to get revenge on them for playing the game with his son that caused him to kill himself. Yep. And after his plot is successful, he goes to a hotel, sits down on the edge of the bed, and Pinhead shows up and says something along the lines of, You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. And <laughs> kills him. And that's that's the movie. Uh, fuck that. Yeah. It's... It, it, it's... <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> it's really dumb. It's really campy. It's really goofy. I hate a movie where the ending is, oh, none of it happened. The fact that it's like regular as a thing to occur in this series at this point. Like it's not even the first time they've pulled this bit on us. No. It's so stupid. <laughs> but it is pretty funny. Uh-huh. It's not trying to be. And when it is yeah. trying to be, is the most painful parts of that movie, to be quite frank. I love but it. so many times I remember them. Saying, I forget the kid that killed himself's name is yeah a- Adrian or something yeah like, Adrian was right but yeah they never say what he was right about no nope, he was <laughs> just right to kill himself <laughs> I guess just, he was right he was done with being in this movie <laughs> and they never we never really get to see the game no they look much, at right they, like like they look at like what looks like a, just like a basic nineties web page browser menu <laughs> it, it doesn't look like a game it looks like they you know, could like have the logins, least... like the like the original registration screen. Yeah, it would have been fun to see them actually like make a little gameplay in the movie. That would have been cool. That would have been money. And why the fuck didn't they make this with a game accompanying it? That would have been such a great. They move. didn't even get this in theaters, Ev. <laughs> so what? They're not putting they're work doing... into it. They're making two movies at the same time. Two for one deal at Blockbuster. But like, you get to play the game and you get the movie, Ev. When they're, if they, like, they could have done any amount of writing about the game. Imagine if when they were being killed, the deaths had something to do with an element of the game. (laughs) What if there was anything to do with Hellraiser in this movie? Okay, let's close the book on this one. Hellraiser 8 Hellworld. If you're going to watch another Hellraiser movie after the first three, this is the one. Okay, Ev, you know what that means, don't you? Uh, You're sure you don't want to go back to Hellworld? Uh, We're on Hellraiser 9 Revelations. Uh, Ev, I don't think you're, like, preparing them for how bad this is. Poopy, stinky butt. I think you need to shrink some more. Stinky, poopy. This movie is... Bad. You don't want this. No. 
So Hellraiser 9 Revelations, we need to talk about a little key detail as to why this was made. October 18th, 2011. I think I committed some mortal sin and this movie was made specifically to harm me. It's possible. It has a $350,000 budget. It was made because Dimension realized we're going to lose the rights to this movie franchise if we don't make something in three weeks. Three weeks. It has a three-week production time. It was filmed in 11 days. It is horrendous. It looks like it was filmed at a sleepover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the first movie that does not have Doug Bradley in it. Um, he was quoted as saying, the amount they offered me wouldn't have covered the down payment on a fridge. <laughs> and they got some puffy-headed weirdo who just can't fit the rule. Oh, rule. God, I, I really hope that Doug Bradley and the girl that played Kirsty didn't know that the uh, that he didn't yeah. know that she said that that they both just tried to put a down payment on on a, it's a down it's, on a fridge. It's a and... very common metric. <laughs> very common metric. I'm getting a raise next next month. I'm getting yeah. How much more, more are you gonna be bringing home a paycheck? Um, about three down payments on a fridge a year. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have so many fridges. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the story of this one. Two teenage boys who are growing up in the middle of nowhere mansions, California. Yeah. Yep. Two two bratty rich boys. Yeah. Um, these guys r remind me of both the Menendez brothers, the the rich boys that killed their parents. Yeah. Um. Oh, I have a friend who has. There's an NBA card. Uh, that was taken at the uh, one of the basketball games they went to after they killed their parents and they're sitting courtside. It's a basketball card, and you can see the Menendez brothers behind the player. <laughs> cool as fuck. Yeah. She also has a bottle of pubes from Andrew Cunanan's first victim. Isn't that fun? Um, where was I going with this? They're like the Menendez brothers, <laughs> and they're like the they're like the um, the Columbine shooters. That's those are the two people that they remind me of. Yeah, that's about the vibe. Which is great. Don't we just love that character type? Isn't that just like the most comfy type of person to sit with for well, maybe, an may hour and a half? Maybe there's some other good characters in this film. Maybe there is. Let's talk about them. So these two kids, they're uh, they're sick of their they're sick of their life being rich in the middle of mansion nowhere in california nothing goes on they say um so they decide to drive to tijuana to they're, get drunk and have sex they're really kind of like almost a little hippie culture in that like these guys aren't living right man yeah a little bit <laughs> gotta spread my wings man <laughs> yeah we gotta go to tijuana to get drunk and have sex yeah that is explicitly yeah. the plan yeah it's uh um... the one friend told the other uh the kind of edgier friend. I really should have written down their names. I don't think that it's worth mentioning even. No, we don't want to. Like, we need to talk about this. Long we don't want to make hair them and real. short hair. Long hair and short hair. Short hair is the edgier one. Yep. He told them they were going to Disneyland. Mm hmm. And then they just drove his ass to Tijuana instead. Yeah. And they get there. Which is a great, really fun thing to do, teens. Yeah. Do that. Do that to your Go friends. Go do that. Lie to them. Take mm -hmm. them. Kidnap them. Yep. Kidnap your friends, listeners. They drive to Tijuana. Mm hmm. And they get drunk, uh -huh. and there's a tremendously painful scene of them flirting with a woman at a bar. <sighs> yeah, and, and you, she you doesn't know speak how much, English. Yeah, you know they, how much they don't speak Spanish. Uh huh. Tijuanans, Tijuanans just love when young, drunk, 
spoiled, rotten white kids come into town looking to fuck. Yeah. Thank God, Whitey's in town. I think every town loves that, actually. Love it. He brought a fucking uh, a magnum condom that doesn't fit him. Time to party. Yeehaw. Yeah. Save um, a horse, ride a Beverly Hills kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they, they're, they're both trying to flirt with this girl. Also, they're like, they've brought a camcorder, so they're recording everything. That's, everything. That's In- part of how the film is like given to us, is that yeah. people are watching them on a camcorder. Yeah, and a lot of times you can clearly tell that neither of them are holding the camcorder. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of forgot to turn the filter off for this, this shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's... The long hair is like, I'm gonna fuck her, man. I'm yeah. gonna fuck her. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the bathroom for a second, only to get to the bathroom to find out edgy short hair boy is fucking her in the stall when he's in there. Yeah. He just, I can't believe you did that, man. I can't believe you did that. Yeah. And then he kind of just like, I think he falls down and hits his head on the sink and passes yep. out. Yep, falls asleep. Yeah. Been there. Wakes up in the bar bathroom. No one else is bothered to come in. Mm-hmm. He wakes up, picks up his camcorder, starts recording, just mm-hmm. like you do. Mm-hmm. And he says to his buddy, hey, man, what's going on in what's there? Good? And it yeah. turns out he's beat this woman's head against the toilet until she died. Yes. There's A lot of blood. blood everywhere. Dead Mexican woman. It looks very real. Yeah, there's nothing, it's really... There's nothing, like, high form or, like... No. Arty about it. A no, lot of the it's... gore prior films is like so extreme, but it's quick cut, so like yeah. you really feel it. This is like that looks like somebody got murdered. This it's there's yeah, there is something about it that that looks like a crime scene a, photo. A crime scene photo. Yeah. It, absolutely. If it you know, they might as well have the fucking like eyes, you know, with the black bar over it. Yeah. It's it's not it's, good. It's gross. And God. It just feels kind of bad. It's also before, like, there's no influence from Hellraiser at this point. They just, right. he just did this. Yep. So he does this. He's like, you got to help me hide her, man. And then he tells him, you know, we're in this together now. You're an accomplice. You have to, you have to do this with yeah. me. Yeah. He wants to destroy the tape. But short then he won't let him. Won't let him. Yeah. yeah. Short hair edgy boy won't let him because then, you know, he's not bound to be an accomplice. So right. have to keep doing this. Really smart thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys accidentally kill a woman. Just make sure you hold on to the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to make sure that other people are trapped to go down with you. Yep. So they go to another bar, and we see the return of the unhomed man who sells the box. Yep. And he says, I've got this box full of pleasures for you. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's Nico. Nico is the short-haired edgy boy. Oh, yep, I can't yep. believe I remembered this. Oh, no. That means there's a part of my brain that's, like, really retaining this <laughs> oh, movie God, in a meaningful it's, way. It's still in there. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna help need me, Pinhead. A, get it out. You know what you're gonna need bunch of pins in my head. You're gonna need a late night lobotomy. Oh, I should have known. We that said it. We said it. I That's said the, the name thing. of the thing. That's what the thing is. So Nico uh, takes the box, opens it up. Mm-hmm. The pinheads come out, and they just kind of turn him like immediately into fleshlessness. Yeah, he gets he gets sloppy real quick. But he's like also back immediately there's no like he's uh-huh. gone or no there is but it's like barely either way long hair is like all right well if you're telling me my buddy nico who has dragged me into the situation that the only way for you to get better is to kill more people and suck their blood i guess i'll get really really drunk and hire prostitutes and uh-huh. you can kill them after i'm done fucking them uh-huh and so that becomes their bit and at some point the prostitute takes him to her home. Sex worker. Sex worker. Excuse me. Takes him to her home and 
he's getting ready to to do the deed and he hears a baby crying and it's in it's in the apartment and he's like I, he's like i can't do this anymore nico i can't do this she has a kid and nico is like i'll do it and he kills her and then you hear him snap a tiny baby neck and the baby stops crying i hate this so much it's, it's awful. like it, i'm this isn't funny to me at all this isn't like I don't think a, it's oh why would they funny. do that? well no i mean you know what i mean it's not it's, like there's no joy in it there's no joy and it genuinely makes me mad when movies very rarely but occasionally do make this choice to have a baby being killed in yeah. it it is ridiculous it's so distasteful I th- if I mean, you're stu- if you are stuff- telling a story about a baby dying Tell a story about a baby dying. If it's not a story about that, I don't know why you think you need to include a baby dying. How can you think that a movie would be better with a baby dying in it? I don't... You know, it's like... And no one was like, hey, maybe we should cut this. It's like a dog dying. Nobody likes a movie more when the dog dies. And they still fucking do it in movies. Yeah. They still do it. No one likes it. If you're making Marley and me... Yeah, this is the point of the fine. movie. Yeah. Okay, I get why you did this. Yeah. This shit? You're making Hellraiser not you're making Hellraiser 9. Yeah. You don't need to kill a baby. You <sighs> haven't earned this. There's it's, no art in it. Yeah. There's nothing good about this. And you yeah. don't get what you're doing. You're just making a shitty movie with a baby getting murdered. Yeah. And you know what? It gets it gets I'm not going to say more. It gets equally as... It gets disgusting <laughs> in a completely new yeah. direction. <laughs> yeah. So then at this point, Nico's Nico's mad, mm-hmm. and he seemingly just attacks Longhair. Yeah. This is as much as we know about them. This is as much as the camcorder gets us. We're telling this out of the order of how the movie tells us all of this, because it's just not worth trying to weave it, because it doesn't work. Yeah. So at this point, we are going to talk about their family at home. Mm-hmm. We got both of their parents... And Longhair's sister, who is also, coincidentally, was Nico's girlfriend. Yes. They're all hanging out having dinner. Yep. And sister, who's, like, supposed to be a teenage girl, who is wearing, like, an outfit that belongs on Milf Manor. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. She's just like, why don't we talk about how the boys are missing? Yeah. Don't you think we should talk about that someday? And they've been missing for a couple days? It's not clear. A A couple weeks? maybe i don't remember i genuinely maybe. like don't know that the timeline like there's so much know. like weaving and like narrative swapping as we go yeah. between camcorder and this dinner party that like getting any sense of how much time has passed at any point is yeah. impossible it's just a mess <sighs> 11 days of filming three weeks of production so they're sitting there and like getting upset with her because she wants to talk about this and then long hair just shows up uh-huh he just walks into the scene and they're like, wow, not doing too hot. No, he's not doing good. Mm-mm. Just kind of walks in, mm-hmm. collapses. They set him up on the couch, get him good, wakes up, walks where's, around, where's says Nico? some ominous shit. Where's Nico? Where's Nico? Nico with you? And then he says some ominous shit up by the pool. He says, they're coming and collapses. They're coming. And at this point, they take him to his bedroom and they're talking about the box, which for some reason the cops who found their stuff in Tijuana returned the camcorder, the box, and a duffel bag of bloody clothes. Yeah. Nothing. You know how cops... You don't need to hang on to the bloody clothes for anything. 
the cops got these from across co country lines and said, yeah, evidence? Well, we can't find them. You can have it. Yeah, you know how Mexican officials are about just handing American Border Patrol bags of bloody clothes? When your children run away from home and are never heard from again, you always get something back. Yeah. You always get some part of them back. You never know what it's going to be. Like a duffel bag full of bloody clothes and a camcorder. Yeah. And a, and a weird box. I hope my kids come back with a bunch of balloon animals. But so the girls, the daughter's got the box and she's just like fucking around with it at the, the table, flirting with Nico's dad for mm -hmm. some reason. And he's like really drunk and kind of into it. Yeah, he's 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 not out of it. That's for damn sure. He's and definitely not like, out of it. She's rubbing the like circled part on the top of the box. That you always like gotta do to a, open it. Like it's a nipple, and she's getting all flirty. And he's like real just, high up in her seat, but with her chin yeah, tucked in, and, looking and at him under her eyes. He's he's not shutting her down, and uh, his wife like looks at him and can clearly tell that he's like. Eh, shit, I don't know what to do. Yeah, he's but doing, I'm not he's, gonna stop. This. He's doing the 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 me underwears from the room guy mouth at one point, where it's just like <laughs> he's like, he can't help himself. Oh God! And so this is where I think: Does the box make people horny? In this one, maybe. I or maybe she's just horny. There's so much sex in this franchise. I feel like the box has to make people horny. Or is it for horny people? Or is it for horny people? I mean, yeah. I know four horny people. <laughs> <laughs> Three of them are in this room. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, so she she's flirting with him, kind of gets brushed off, and she's told, go bring your brother some soup. Mm -hmm. And so she she goes into his room where he's sleeping, and she sits down on the edge of the bed and immediately starts sipping the soup out of the bowl, and he goes, hey, I think that's for me. And she goes, oh, shit, I'm sorry. And then, And then he starts talking about how much he's missed her. Yeah. And then he starts talking about how much she's grown. She's grown. She's just grown so much. And boy, does he have just the most charming, sinister look on his face. Like a twit, like a, like, like this is like, this is like, if somebody on set was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to get that Tumblr crowd. Ugh. We're going to, we're going to have this skinny white boy with long blonde hair and he's going to be sinister and edgy and he's going to be, He's gonna have the hots for this teenage girl. It really feels like a, a Tumblr, like Onceler, like we're yeah. gonna make it happen. Yeah. But uh, this is his sister. Mm-hmm. And when they start kissing, and he gets his hand in her 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 milf top. Yeah. She's all about it. Yeah. Yeah. For for a a period of time, an uncomfortable period of time, which is any amount of time. We just get to sit with this and yeah. watch it. Yep. And it's it you can feel what's coming for the entire couple minute long build up to it it is arguably and for me the most tense like build up in the entire series yeah this i feel my heart come into my throat and i go oh no it's this scene again uh-huh it's it there's you know we'll talk about it in the evil dead but there was a few things in the newest evil dead like gore things yeah. that made me be like oh please stop like i don't want to see that an, an instance in talk to me too yeah i have that same reaction for this it's, it is visceral it hurts my eyeballs i would rather watch human centipede than watch this it is so tasteless yeah and uh we move from there to find out that this isn't actually long hair tall boy 
No. It's Nico wearing <gasps> his skin. Oh, oh, so it's okay. It's okay that they kissed because that was her. That was her boyfriend, yeah. but she yeah. didn't. She had no oh, idea. Oh, wait. She didn't she know. She had no idea. Oh. And finding it out, makes, finding out seems to make it worse for her somehow. Um, but it does seem to make it worse for her. You're right. Yeah. God, she's more upset about that than she's. She she, she, she seemed disappointed. Yeah. That it wasn't her brother. Ugh. So. Ugh. At this point, <laughs> Nico kind of reveals himself. He grabs the shotgun that they were waving around at the unhomed person who yep. they shot, who then cut off the other dad's, Nico's dad's face. Right. He shoots Tallboy's dad in the leg. Uh-huh. And he's like, I know you were fucking my mom, so and all of this is bullshit. He shoots him in the gut. He shoots him right in the gut, you're right. Yep. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like he fucks up his leg somehow, but he does shoot Maybe. him right in the gut. Yep. Yeah, and then, yeah, you find out there's been some cheating going on. And this is... Which is justifying all of this yeah. for Nico. And Everything is because of this. Right. And so at this point, he's he's up on the table. He's got the moral high the ground. the gun around. And, and this is really where it dips into Columbine shooter vibes yeah. for me. Very uncomfortable. You know, and it's it's shot weird. It just, like, it's like, I know this type of person. Yeah. Almost. It's like I feel like I knew a kid in high school that like would do this. Or this is just like maybe it's just it's it's because that type of teenager is so threatening still. Is so threatening still is one of like the biggest threats to general safety. General of Americans. safety. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also just really weird how into it the scene is. Yeah. It it is one of the most compelling monologues of the film and there are a few it just really goes and it's awful it's just all these people laying on couches wounded listening to him talk about yeah. how because they've done something wrong all of this has been justified and he couldn't help himself and y'all are gonna pay now yeah it just goes on and on and on and it's the the you're not living right like yeah god it's, so, it's the it's be like epitome of like, we gotta. Keep... I gotta get out of this small town. These people, blah blah blah. He's living in the Beverly Hills. Oh God, we gotta keep moving to get God, past this. Can we, yeah. please, yes. So he he's talking about all this, and he makes his sister open the box because his plan is gonna be to trade his family to be able to be allowed to escape for them to stop chasing him. And it turns out Skinny Boy has been turned into a Cenobite who like stitches squares of other people's skin to his own head. Yep. And he shows up, and it's a whole thing, and I don't really remember what happens. I think the only one left alive at the end of it is the sister. Yeah. Everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, gut shot dad dies. Yep. Um, The mom, who is still alive, I don't remember what happens to Nico's mom. I really, I think she gets, no, she gets her throat ripped out because she yep. tries to speak when Pinhead's talking. Yeah. Skinny Boy's mom gets pulled by chains just into a gap between the walls. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. Um, and then the daughter stabs Nico, and the dad picks up the shotgun and blasts him. And then the pinheads are like, no, we wanted to torture him more. Now we're yeah. going to torture you. And then his daughter is allowed uh, to escape. God. Um, God, what a fuck up of a movie. It's a zero out of ten on everything. It's a, it's a negative it gets nothing fucking right. five out of ten. It is horrible. It actively, I feel like a worse person for watching it. 
it, feel it, like I need to go to fucking confess to a priest. Because all of these movies carry the Hellraiser name, they will always advertise themselves with from the mo- from the mind of Clive Barker. From the mind and oh, he just loves that, doesn't he? Free free publicity. In this with with regards to this film, he can be quoted as saying, "It's not from my mind. It's not even from my butthole." Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Clive Barker. Yeah, no one liked this. Have we, did we, uh, we didn't touch on Alan Smithy, did we? Oh, yeah, I think more than one of these films is directed, uh-huh. is credited as being directed to by Alan Smithy, who, if you are a bad film aficionado, you either know this or you don't, Alan Smithy is a name that has directed a lot of films. Uh-huh, quite a few. That's because directors are people who work, and sometimes... In Hollywood, you got to do a job to get paid to do a job. Uh huh. Or your or your job that you did gets gets taken over by you. other people and turned into something that it wasn't. That's that is also a really valid thing that also happens. Yes. For whatever reason, as a director, you may find that the final product is not something you want your name on. In fact, it might just be a steaming pile of horseshit. At which point you say, <laughs> "Let's credit direction on this one." To Alan Smithy. Good old Alan Smithy, a man that doesn't exist. Yeah. Just a pseudonym for directors who say, I don't want anything to do with this. It's a pseudonym of shame. It is. It yeah. is. So if you're like Will and you're really into bad movies, check out the Alan Smithy Alan catalog. Smithy catalog. <laughs> Oof. Oh my God. There's too we, many. We could do an episode on that. We, I think... We just... If we just like found a list of all movies credited to Alan Smithy and just read names for an hour, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll do a fact check on this and see just how many are credited to Alan Smithy. Yeah, I know it's not an insubstantial number. Yeah. I think there are a few other names in the scene that like have been used as that because at some point, mm-hmm. it, once it gets like popular enough as far as we, everybody's used this, they have found other names. Uh-huh. But that's the that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's like the one you refer to in this concept of an idea. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is one of the worst films I've ever watched four times. Mm-hmm. It's the worst film I've ever watched more than once, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just sucks the joy it's out upsetting. of you. It really isn't good. And this is why you subscribe to the podcast. So we so can tell you. we can tell you about it and you don't have to watch it. You don't have to watch Hellraiser 9. Mm-mm. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Donate. <laughs> like, subscribe. Donate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pur- Purple Each Project. Give them donations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. We got two more. Hellraiser 10. We're going to keep this real quick. Boom, boom. Hellraiser 10, Judgment. That's... <laughs> it's good. good. Have you seen the film 7? <laughs> yeah. All right. You've seen Hellraiser Judgment. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's a... They have a new concept for a pinhead, which um, they... Like, still do end up using as a character. I really like the design of him. Yeah. He's got the black shades and the cut-up face. Yeah. But they ultimately... It's an, it's also not Doug Bradley in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, They did go back to Pinhead. But the story is about a pair of brothers who are also detectives mm-hmm. hunting down a serial killer who goes by the Preceptor. The Preceptor. Which is a... Good old Preceptor. Yeah, you gotta watch I, out for the Precum, the Preceptor, whoever's on the streets tonight. I believe the Preceptor is someone that has something to do with city planning. It's a teacher of some kind, I believe, is the origin of the phrase. Fact check. Yeah. We'll do a fact check episode coming up soon. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. But the preceptor is 
killing people in seven esque ways of mm -hmm. like representing that they've done some dumb sin. The and um, the, the Ten Commandments, I believe. I think in this one, yeah. The Ten Commandments. Yeah, because we're not literally just making seven. Right. This is uh this is February third, twenty eighteen when it came out. So seven is a an acclaimed film at this <sighs> point. Great. Yeah. Love it. What's uh, in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, pinhead. Yes. So the first murder, the movie opens with a murder because you know how a Hellraiser movie opens. It opens Got with to. a it opens with a human being being murdered. Got to. It's like Fargo, man. Uh, a woman comes home from her apartment, thinks her ex is there. Is like, well, maybe we can have sex if you just come out already. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't. It's somebody else. Ooh, who is it? It's the preceptor. <gasps> he. He forces her phone down her throat. He kills her somehow. Forces her phone down her throat and then nice. stitches her dog into her stomach. Yep. Because that's her baby. That's um. Th that's about... So we turn we just let this play after we watch Nine because... I, just needed something I, else on the screen. I think we were, get up. We were afraid to move, yeah. I think. Too sick. Um, <laughs> and, and this is where I kind of tapped out and started working on editing yeah. <laughs> for, this, for a different episode. Um, after the dog got stitched in there, the dog survives. If I Dog's was a, alive, yeah. If I was a, a a victim, that's exactly what would happen to me. We'd have to dig Finn out of you. Finn is the perfect size to fit where my guts are. My guts are the size of Finn. See, the reason they find out the dog's in there is because the dog's moving around making noise. Yep. But if we put Finn inside you like that, he would love that. Oh, he, you would hear him snoring. Yeah, that's Absolutely. how we know. We'd hear him snoring. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for when he turns me into a tauntaun when I die in my sleep. That's going to be a sad morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the preceptor has struck again. A pair of brother detectives are on the case, uh -huh. and uh, they're introduced to a new female detective who's been asked to join them. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is she, a... uh, is she, does she get too close to the case? No, they're too close to the oh, case. Oh, they're That's too close they to the her. case. Okay. They're in too deep. They're in too deep. Do these ones have flasks? Uh, the one of them does because he's a military vet. Ah, of course. Yeah, of course. And you know, you know, two days from retirement. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's something to like fuck that stereotype. I just don't want to get into yeah. it. We got to finish this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to tell anyone listening at this point that this series is insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> so they're investigating. She's helping. The next murder is about theft in which the hands and eyeballs of a bunch of children are found at a playground because they committed petty theft. Love it. I But the I feel like the eyeballs should be for coveting. It It's all stupid. It's all dumb. Yeah. Right. So we we uh, we start referencing A Tale of Two Cities, particularly like the opening page, because <laughs> we got to sound smart, but can't be bothered to read the book. Yeah. The, 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 the femme report or the femme detective is to the younger brother like, hey. What if it was your older brother? Ooh. You know, I'm not saying it has to be or that I think it is, but like, yeah. maybe some things are lining up mm. and maybe we should think about it. Yeah. Well, it turns out the older brother detective, it has been him the whole time. What? He has been setting all of this up because the final one that he was going to, he was going to get him back on was going to be not sleeping with your neighbor's wife because his younger brother, the detective has been sleeping with his wife, and they took pictures of them doing it in the act, and he has them, and it's all been a game to lure them to this warehouse to murder them. That's coveting thy neighbor and adultery in one. Yeah. That's two commandments, baby. It's pretty rough. Oof. It's pretty rough. Those are big ones. So, uh... Fucking thy neighbor. 
Yeah, they, I hope uh, I can fuck a neighbor someday. Continue. I love that you say this and like. <laughs> I know you don't post them every time into the neighborhood chat, but you oh, certainly do oh, post episodes. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> In a different neighborhood. <laughs> different neighborhood. When are you looking forward to moving out? <laughs> Never. <laughs> we'll get new neighbors I'll just someday. go to a different neighborhood. They don't have to be my neighbors. They could just be neighbors. <laughs> Ever you soft launching your virginity news? <laughs> we will cut all of this. No, we're not. Okay. This is staying in. Okay. But yeah, he... Uh, Gunfight, pinhead, it's over. Mm -hmm. It's really stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, it is very refreshing compared to the prior one, as clearly they spent some time making it, and there are camera angles. It looks like a movie. It looks like a movie. Yeah. Um, I believe this is another one of the ones where it was like not quite going to be a Hellraiser movie, but then again, like they've got that con concept art Hellraiser character in there, so who knows what this was supposed to be? But yeah. it turned out to be shit. There's a subplot you may have noticed. We like really. None of what we talked about includes a pinhead. No. What? Um, weird. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, is this the Hellraiser episode? This is the Hellraiser no episode shit. where we talk about pinhead. Oh, fuck. Uh, he is in the film. They The the Cenobites seem to live in a shack where they yeah. lure in bad people to make them tell them how bad they are. Then they cut them up. Love shack, baby. It's nothing like what they've ever talked about the Cenobites doing ever before. <laughs> they don't live it's in hell anymore. They live in a shack. They live in a shack and they don't torture you eternally. They just cut you up and you're gone. Yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> um, but they're like agents of hell still or the devil or something. Or they're their own agents who like fit into the narrative. Yeah. But they're the baddies. At the end of the film... They like have the preceptor. They've they've got everybody else fucked up, mm -hmm. and they're about to like torture his soul forever because he's a bad guy, and they love that. Right. And an angel shows up, and she's like, "No, God wants him to make people afraid. That's uh -huh. how God makes people believe." Mm -hmm. And then Pinhead's like, "Bitch, I'm gonna put a chain in your face," yeah. and he does. And then they string up an angel, and I think she says, "Jesus wept," and then she explodes. Tight. Yeah. Love it. Well, if I if I know I'm gonna explode, say I'm, Jesus gonna, I'm gonna say it. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope I don't know I'm gonna explode. I feel like I'm gonna get electrocuted a lot. I have that fear quite often at work too. I remember having to shovel out a puddle right next to the electric box at the unnamed record store. Unnamed record store drop. And I was like, "Fuck, this is how I go." Yeah. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Good thing to say before you explode. Mm -hmm. But that's Hellraiser 10. Woo! Judgment. One we, more. One more. You we guys have sat babies. through this far. If anyone has listened to this all in one chunk, that's crazy. You're crazy. Thanks, hon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hellraiser 11. Subtitle. I'm just going to subtitle it Hulu. Hulu. Hulu the, Razor. Yeah, Hulu Razor. Oh, I like that way better. Hulu Razor. Hulu Razor. Uh, Hulu Razor. Hellraiser 11. Yeah, um, I love this one. You love this one? I loved it. I, it is a, I don't think it's a good movie. It's no. one of the best Hellraiser movies. Yeah. Uh, it's not a, really a Hellraiser movie other than the inclusion of some of the common items, including the box and a new pinhead who is actually the Hell Priestess. Yes. Played by Jamie Clayton. Jamie Clayton, our favorite trans baddie. She nails it. The, she nails it. Where like the prior film, Ten's pinhead is not awful. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't quite have the right vibe, but nothing about that film does. Mm -hmm. The the awful one in Nine, that guy is just awful for the role. It, mm -hmm. It's so bad. She brings like such a 
like strength and femininity and power to like her take on it mm-hmm. that it's not Doug Bradley's pinhead, right? But it's so on the same level, yeah. it's so right. She just nails it. She gives the same feeling, yeah, same feeling. It's, I love it. It's a different feeling though. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I don't know. Of all the issues I could say I have with that movie, I think she is one of the best parts mm-hmm. of it. So everything about how she carries herself is perfect. Yeah, I really like about this movie that this is the first time that we actually see some female dialogue that is not like nails on a chalkboard. This franchise has been known seared into my brain now as a franchise that is just so fucking blatant and inept when it comes to writing female characters. They're so one dimensional. Their lines sound like a fucking AI generated yeah. thing. Like it's, if I was going to play uh, devil's advocate and defend the series, the only thing I could say is every character is written poorly. True. But women in particular women are in very particular. poorly written in Hellraiser yeah. in the Hellraiser films. So yeah, it's good to see a, a, an uptick in that a little bit with yeah. 2022. That's 2022. Right? Uh, this That's was October 7th, 2022. You yep. got it. Yeah, it's a story about a, a the main character's name is Riley. Mm-hmm. Her friend Matt goes missing and she believes it has to do with this box that they found. So she begins engaging with it, trying to figure out she needs sacrifices to get him, try to get him back. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's getting the sacrifices for the box and dealing with the Cenobites and running around. And the thing for me that kind of takes me out of this movie is there's a number of times where it's kind of like the original Halloween where it's like, just hold the knife. Uh-huh. Just run the other direction <laughs> just take yeah. a left rather than going in a straight line yeah and whatever's chasing you can't turn yeah yeah I, and you know i know that it is like the duh it's a horror movie kind of thing but when you like and watch horror movies as much as we do it does get quite tiring <laughs> yeah especially too because there is i'm gonna try to think of one while i say this but there are horror movies that like take on all these elements and address them and have answers for them. Mm-hmm. Like any modern horror movie that wants to have a spooky experience has to have an answer to cell phones. Yeah. Something has to happen because otherwise the answer is always I pull out my flashlight and call my dad. Right. Because it's in my pocket on two buttons. Yes. And it, it's just the it's just a little thing of like find some creative way to do that and it yes. makes all that much scarier because whatever kind of audience member you have, they can now understand the fear of not having their tool. Yes. Yeah. A lot of... uh a lot of uh, summer homes and cabins that are just out of range of yeah. uh, of cell signal. Yeah, or with you, the Evil you can Dead... get it at the end of the road, you know. Yeah, but... <laughs> or with the Evil Dead series, that bridge is always so conveniently yep. out. Yeah. Yep, all all mangled up. Yeah, uh, it's there's a few parts where I just feel like smarter decisions could have been made by the characters that don't seem beyond the characters' ability to make them or uh-huh. their knowledge of the situation. Mm-hmm. But ultimately. Riley is able to defeat the Cenobites and tells them that she does not want to resurrect Matt because she anticipates the kind of monkey paw nature of what they're offering. Right. And uh, they tell her that she has chosen the most brutal form of suffering, the suffering of loss and knowing that she's had to give him up. And that is the part of this movie for me where I like teaches you a lesson. Oh no, that's the part of this movie that just kills it for me. <laughs> like, even you don't like you don't like a heartfelt lesson if from we, the Hell Priestess. If we can get one thing in any of these movies, we're going back to Hell Hellraiser Eight Hell World. 
He sits down on the edge of that bed, and Hel- Pinhead shows up and says, You shouldn't have done that. And blows him up. Okay, that's a good lesson. <laughs> I just want people to blow up at the end of these movies. And the fact that she says the worst thing that they could do to her is make her sad because she has to accept that she lost her friend. It's like, bro, we've watched fucking ten movies before this. We know you could do worse suffering. She's caused the deaths of how many in this film? <laughs> and you're telling her she's going to worry about the death of one that wasn't directly her fault? <laughs> It just, it falls really flat for yeah. me. And that's the writing. It's a really well-made movie. I mm-hmm. think it's really cool to watch. It's, mm-hmm. it's well, it, it, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a 2022 Hellraiser. Yeah. It's, it's polished. It's At, finished. It's, it's finished. Yeah. It is a complete movie. <laughs> it spent more than three weeks in post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, in total. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh yeah, if, if this is where the Hellraiser series ends... I would be fine with that. It ends on one of its highest notes yet, even yeah. if it's not a great movie. It doesn't sound like we're done yet, though. We'll see. Probably not. I would, you know, I would be down for a little bit of a, some trilogy action with with um Jamie. Yeah. If they uh if they want to put some money into this and really make something out of it, yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't say it's beyond possible for them to make the best Hellraiser movie ever. I would fully agree with that. It's just cuz the bar is really that low. Mhm. Mhm. One incredible Two incredible but flawed. Uh-huh. After that, you're competing with movies made in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what's the best of them all? The late night lobotomies coverage on the entire franchise. Yeah. Of Hellraiser. We made it. We did it. We made it through eleven. We made it through eleven films. And, uh, you you listeners made it through eleven. That Thank was a you. long episode. This is your eternal torture. Yes. <laughs> or at least it has been. No, now no, we're no, letting no. you out. It's mine because I have to edit this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this might be a next Halloween one. You think so? No, not at all. <laughs> I will have it out perfectly on time for you on Thursdays, folks. If you are forever impressive, I know ah, you will. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. that. Don't, don't, don't do that. that. Well, do you have any final... Thoughts before I wrap this up. Um, why did Larry go to hell? Yeah, why did Larry go why to did hell? Larry go to hell. I, I assume just because Cenobites or because Frank got him, and maybe there's some connection to who kills you. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Did it? Uh, did this make you like it more or less? Uh, Studying I, this a bit. No, yeah, like getting all my notes together and really going through this. The second time I watched the series isn't as a session i watched it all in the course of just a couple weeks mm-hmm. and i took extensive notes while watching all of them i had about sixteen thousand words by the end of it and i've been preparing to have this podcast episode since before you ever mentioned the idea that you <laughs> wanted to do a podcast about it yeah i have been waiting in my life for this moment and i i'm happy i could give it, it sucks. to you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, we... to, not to do this but just yeah. the hellraiser series sucks and i want yeah. y'all to understand that that's where i'm at with it I love the pinhead. I love the Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. It's a blast to talk about. It's so stupid and bad. I love getting into stuff uh-huh. like this, and I appreciate so much that you've given me the chance to talk about uh, it. Of course. Letting people make the choice to listen to it. Yeah. I gotta say, though, this made me absolutely like it less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know what? We're doing deep dives on topics every week. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna happen. <laughs> when your prior exposure was just to the two good films or so, and maybe uh-huh. a couple of the bad ones partway through. Yeah, I had seen about half before. Th- uh, okay. No, probably maybe three or four of them before this. Four yeah. of them, for sure. Yeah, I... Uh, Nine will ruin anything. Yeah, Hellraiser I... Hellraiser Revelations I, is just the worst. I think um, 
maybe Halloween 2025, I'll be ready to watch Hellraiser again. That's fair. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But you know what? We get to move on to a far, far better, far more manageable franchise next week. Yeah. One that is elicits joy yes. and consistently does so. It's got its issues. We'll talk about our problems uh -huh. with it, but it's not going to sound like this. So we love its problems. We love its problems. To I'm going to quote you on that. We are week. talking Evil Dead next week. Talking Evil Dead. Excuse me. The Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2013, Little Evil Ash Dead, versus Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise, Ash vs. Evil Dead, yeah, yeah, all of it, a little bit on Evil Dead video games. Ooh, yeah. I can talk about that, they're weird. Mm -hmm. They got yeah. Sam Raimi's brother in them. <laughs> Do they really? If I'm not mistaken, he's like the short little character who follows Ash around <laughs> and is in, like, he's like the Navi of the game. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. If it's not him, it's some other actor, but it's really weird. Yeah. Sweet. Well, join us for that next week. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Follow us on Instagram at Late Night Lobotomies. You can follow me personally at etryon77 if you want. It's because I was born in 1977. They're an old one. Yep. 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 DM us a scary story or something. Yeah. You know, give, give, give us something good. Something better than Hellraiser. Yeah, we are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to podcasts other places, that's weird, and you should stop it. No, no, you just, should just uh, let us know how to get there. Just, no, we know how to get there. Just tell us what platform you listen on. I'll get it there. That's really great. No problem. I am great. That's what I I'm am saying. great. This is a great podcast. I've been loving doing this. Me too. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Have a fleshy night. We love ya. Oh, <laughs>